Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, Nolan Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, how's it going? Let me call you sweetheart. <laughs> no. I don't know the rest of the words to this song. I, I do, but it's super creepy, and so I kind of wished I didn't. <laughs> there's been some eight there's been some like stellar music this week. Oh man. As soon as we start talking about the handmaid's tale, it's all gonna be about music cues this week. <laughs> <laughs> Quite a bit. And certainly the, the music that we use to go into the the song choice that we'll use to go into the handmaid's tale is my favorite thing from TV this week. <laughs> um we were listeners, we were gonna do another check in on our resolutions this week, but then we watched well, we didn't well, I watched Kate the handmaid's watched. tale. Yeah, Which, and realized I was not overhyping it. No, if anything, you were underhyping it, Noel. Congratulations! Yeah. And I was like, I, I try to, I try to play things down. Yeah, no, which I appreciate because yeah, yeah. So then I was like, Noel, can we just like, I just really well, you, you're so right. We got to talk about it. It's so good, so good. So listeners, a lot of Handmaid's Tale at the end of the episode here. Spotlight on the first three episodes, which they all dropped uh, this week on Hulu. Um, I will say what I posted on facebook this week which is run don't walk to hulu and get the free month and yes i realized you could just wait another month and then watch them all and get the entire show for free but then you'd have to wait and this show is worth 16 dollars, which is how much it'll end up costing you to watch the entirety of the show um it's really good yeah, it is really, really good. Um, and I'm very excited to finally get to discuss it with you. Yeah, that must have been really, like, driving you nuts. Because it would have been driving it, me nuts. It really was. Like, I I mean, I know that I get to watch a, um, a fair amount of stuff before you do. And most of the, most the for the most part, I'm able to wait. But yeah. this has just been really agonizing uh-huh. to not... And also not talk about it with literally, almost literally anyone else. Yeah. So like I can talk to talk about it with like two other people. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, but I want to talk about it with everyone. <laughs> well, I've just been like telling everyone, it's so good, guys. You have to go watch yeah. it. Because that'll be our fun the fun part of our conversation where we try to just not turn into the Chris Farley show. Um, but yeah, cause because uh, trying to explain why it's good, I feel like there's no words or all of the words and not a lot Pretty of in between. So yeah. anyways, that will be, we'll attempt that at the end of the podcast. You can let us know listeners how we do with that. But um, what other news is out there in TV world? Cause for me, it's all been just my Twitter feed and Facebook and everything trying to get me hyped up about American gods. And I'm like, I know mm-hmm. everyone. <laughs> <laughs> when we had Samantha on uh, to discuss young justice, you got hooked onto the show. Yeah. So this is relevant information to you, is that uh, it was announced this week that DC Entertainment is launching its own digital streaming service. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just, like, I can't with all these streaming services. So it'll launch sometime in 2018. Um, okay. It will include the revived Young Justice Outsiders uh, series. Okay, is uh, that, like, is similar quality level? Yeah, no, 
they're bringing back like the entire uh, production team for okay, it. Okay, okay. So even like the character designer who won an Emmy for his work on Young Justice is coming back. And then the producers for the original show are coming back. So the production team behind the show is coming back entirely. And then they also uh, decided to, you know what? We've spent a lot of money on that Titan show that TNT just kept kicking around and then decided they didn't want. So we're going to do that. Okay. And so that's coming under uh, Greg Berlanti's uh, shepherding now. He's been uh, tasked with uh, revitalizing that. But yeah, so this whole new DC Entertainment exclusive streaming service will launch sometime in 2018. And I just have so many questions about what that library is going to be. Like, are we going to get old Wonder Woman? Are we going to get Lois and Clark episodes? <laughs> are we going to get are we going to get the movies? Are we going to get like like, are we going to get the DCAU stuff on there? I would assume. Like, yeah, what does that mean for the the CW Berlantiverse? Right. And that was my thing. It was just like, so are they going to get the, they're going to get next day streaming rights for that? Since it's only on CW that gets next day streaming rights right now. And you just wait like a week to two weeks to get it on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And none of those details have been forthcoming. They just announced it, and they were just like, we're going to do our version of CBS All Access, but we're not going to delay Star Trek eight times, which is another <laughs> thing that happened this week, so that Star Trek got delayed again. Yeah. Um, which bodes super well for that show at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, no one knows what it's going to be, but they're going to launch it with Titans and uh, with Young Justice Outsiders. So if you were looking forward to watching Young Justice on Netflix, ha-ha, Joke's on you. Yeah. Wow. You're going to have to pay another monthly subscription service. I hope you guys didn't cut a cord. Well, it's just, I, I don't know who they think is watching TV, I guess. Well, like, why would you want to fracture the marketplace more is my question. Like, why do you want to train people that you can't pay an exorbitant cable fee and get everything you want? You, you need to buy all these little smaller packages, which people are not going to end up just getting every streaming thing. That's not what's going to happen. So you just limit the number of people who can be watching your stuff. I just, I don't know. I like, I get the the idea behind it, but I really don't think that many people are subscribed to, for example, CISO. I don't think that many people are subscribed to CBS all access. I don't think like there's some, when you have the built in nerd base, that is right. And that's what, they're coasting on probably yeah that's more likely to be successful but still it's just like i don't know and because they don't these sites don't have a like lots of ads version that people could watch like if if you're gonna do like a there's a bunch of ads and you can stream it then fair enough and then if you want to pay you get the 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 no ads version sort of like with with uh with crunchyroll like that i could see being more of a thing but i don't know i just uh I, th- I think what before people spend their entire paycheck on all these different streaming services, I think they're more likely to just not watch your show. Yeah, and I, I think a lot, some of this like circles back to your point about CBS All Access and the Good Fight was that it was really easy just to sign up for the seven day trial after something ends, watch it for a week, and just marathon it, which is what a friend of mine did for the Good Fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, she just signed up for the seven day trial and then watched all of it. And then just went, I'm all done. Yeah. I didn't ha- look at, <laughs> look at that suckers. I circum, I circumvented you trying to get money out of me. Yeah. And I, I, it's, it would be really easy to do that. 
provided a free trial is offered. But then what I suspect is that increasingly, like, stuff will get gatewayed or, like, paywalled, basically. Yeah. Here's two episodes for your free trial, but you don't get anything else until you pay us. Mm-hmm. But then people just cancel it after they watch it, so they'll just pay to watch it in a month and then call it quits. Yeah. Well, especially when you only have a uh, property, like Good Fight mm-hmm. or, you know, some of these other streaming services where there's not the breadth to really keep you signed up um yeah yeah like if 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 netflix just keeps dropping all of their uh the their previous content and just sticking with their original content and they don't up their content game you know i feel like that's going to be a similar situation where people will do what they do with hbo which is game of thrones is back let's have hbo for two months and then cancel it again that's what um, I'm doing with stars. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, okay. Um, so that's interesting. So are you excited about this DC streaming thing then? No. No. I mean, I, I'm I'm vaguely intrigued just to see what in the world Titans is at this point, considering like it's been kicked around for like three years at this point. Um, but I I I, I don't I don't care enough to be like super excited about this because like I said, I don't know what the library looks like. Yeah. And like, I would maybe pay f- to just like watch some Lois and Clark every now and then. Um, just to like relive that nostalgia. But I mean, I can watch all the DC AU for prime on almost all of it, not all of it, all of it, but almost all of it over on Amazon prime. Mm hmm. And the only other thing that they could drop on there would be the direct-to-video uh, animated movies that they've been churning out. But those have been increasingly bad. Um, so even though they're doing a new one with uh, in the kind of the DCAU style with Harlequin, um, so that might be worth paying a rental fee for. But yeah, it's just until they discuss what the library for it is, it's just I, I don't like. As you know, I didn't. I was not. I, I like Young Justice. But I'm not like in love with Young Justice. <laughs> I like it as a friend, so I, I I I can't get like super excited about this. But it's it's a weird it's a weird decision to make. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah, it's one thing if you have if you legitimately have all things DC ever, right. then someone can immerse themselves. Yeah, then fair enough. But if you're just gonna have some, I mean. It's sort yeah. of how I feel about isn't wasn't CISO's big push that they had the Monty Python? I feel like Ah, uh, I, I feel like, but I I don't pay any attention to CISO. Yeah, well that's so, the thing. Like I, I tried like, twice, but I didn't pay any attention to it. I feel like anybody who's a big enough fan of yeah. Monty Python that they will subscribe to a channel just for that already has all the DVDs. Right. So Yeah. Yeah, which is which is like me with the Batman animated series. I can watch that anytime I feel like it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and yeah. and increasingly, there's a sense of security in having the DVDs, in having the physical copies, right? Yeah, I don't rely on my favorite shows being available streaming. Any, I've learned to not do that. Yeah. So, anyways, well, we should get started on our, our week in TV. No, we've hit the part of April where new shows keep coming, but other shows stop ending so we have some finales <laughs> this week but um or a finale i should say but um well, yeah two finales two finales two finales yes yeah. um but but there's there's a lot of um there's still a lot more tv coming and i, I mostly managed this week but i don't know what's going to happen next week yeah it's going to be kind of messy next 
next week for you. Yeah. I'm going to be okay just because <laughs> I don't have your schedule next week. Woo, <laughs> driving. If you're going to be in Chicago, come to DePaul for the Harry Potter conference um, or Harry Potter celebration on Saturday, uh, May on Saturday, May 6th, which where I will be speaking about politics and Harry Potter. It should be super fun. And there's there'll be lots of other great Harry Potter um, content um, and speakers and everything happening that day. But yes, because of that, and I'm also out of town for a gig. So it's just all of the driving. So much driving next week. But um, we'll we'll still have, we'll have lots to talk about next week. We also have lots to talk about this week. So I'm going to stop monologuing up here so we can get into our week in TV. Uh, let's take a break. Listen to the, some of that aforementioned fabulous music from this week's TV. And come back with our week in comedy and reality. Chris's old house, Calabasas 2007. Jimmy, I should be your manager. You know, since I'm your mom. Mom, you're such an amateur. You're definitely mom. Momager. That's me. Is that absurd? Court, Chloe, I think I just made up a word. Momager. I'll put you on a TV show. I'll film you eating salad and we'll rake in the dough. Momager. That was some of the music from RuPaul's Drag Race uh, Kardashians musical <laughs> that, uh, of course, we saw in in, in the uh, Reality Stars, the musical episode of, of Drag Race. We'll talk Drag Race at the end of the segment, but to kick things off, I'm going to speak brief- briefly about great news, Pilot and Bear Attack, uh, the first two episodes of that show, as well as the season four premiere of Silicon Valley. Then we'll talk the finale of The Detour, The Mule and the Ass, Bob's Burgers, Zero Larp 30, and The Laserinth, um, Speechless, R-U-N, Runaway, and Jane the Virgin, Chapter 60, before we then transition over from comedy to reality with Drag Race, Reality Stars, the musical. And first up here is uh, great news. I just wanted to mention this one. I've seen it get a lot of uh, a lot of love around um, various critical spheres. And I thought it was I thought solid and fine. This is from the, the creatives behind, of course, 30 Rock and and the big you know obviously it's andrea martin is the big thing for a lot of people and certainly for me love andrea martin she stars as the main character who is another actor i've seen in about a million things who is very good um but she's the main character and then andrea martin is her mother her mother um it becomes an intern at her news uh station so like the she's a producer her her mother decides late in life she wants to start a new career so she becomes and she's the intern and comedy is ensues and there's there's some you know it's the whole cast is actually really good and nicole richie gets some some nice stuff to play as one of the two uh co-anchors um but really for me i I thought it was solid i thought it was fine i had a good Mm -hmm. time i didn't laugh out loud um but i mean i'm certainly not going to begrudge andrew martin getting a paycheck and so and it's a much more prominent role than she usually gets usually she gets you know, a cameo or a one episode guest turn. So it's nice to see her regularly on my TV, but I feel like this one has been a little overhyped. Um, so I would say go in with, you know, I'll have a good time expectations rather than this is the hot new comedy expectations. And I think people will, will be okay. Are you interested in this one at all? Noel? I am. I just, forgot it was on this week <laughs> well, that's the thing they're airing two episodes a week for the next few oh, weeks they're doing the trial and error um process yeah. which i i forgot that finale i think it was this week too <laughs> yeah exactly and and that one also certainly by the end of the season was getting quite a bit of buzz but when you burn through two episodes a week you don't get much time for people to catch up with it if they aren't immediately on board um and so it just sort of disappears that's 
what I anticipate will probably happen with this one too. And like the, when I list out all of the shows that we watch and then the listeners, we call down the ones that we actually have things to say about, like there's a lot of comedies on right now Yes, <laughs> that we watch. And this one doesn't stand out from the bunch. So I'm not going to tell you that you should watch great news before you watch any of the other comedies that we're going to talk about this week. And like five to 10 of the other ones we aren't going to talk about this week that we also enjoy. Um, so it's, it's fun. Yay. The cast is getting network money. Um, but I, I wish people would not quite hype it so much. Cause I feel like people are going to read those reviews and then be a little disappointed when they watch the show when it's just fine. Maybe mm-hmm. it gets better. Maybe they know some, something that I don't. Yeah. But I mean, it's a solid first two episodes. It's not, you know, like it for like, I feel like we've gotten, we can be really picky about first two episodes now. <laughs> right remember when you com- comedy pilots are notoriously bad and it takes right. a while to find your feet that is not the case anymore sure and it's shifted enough that especially with these sort of short run comedies now mm-hmm. where i i feel like a lot of it gets produced and they come with a very clear plan yeah and then they're just like well we can figure this more out in season two after you guys really like us yeah. <laughs> <laughs> certainly um but i mean yeah it's fine there's fun stuff you know yeah yeah yay 30 rock creators um the silicon valley premiere success failure was uh, a lot more fun uh the the dynamics of those characters are so well established and the performers are just like the the rapport they all have together is tremendous. So this was a solid premiere. I still, um, I'm not as enamored with this show as a lot of other people are, just because I feel like I really, as much as I do love pretty much every performance on the show and cert- and almost all the characters, this is the show that I watch that I most enjoy, that I also most long for any women to be on the show there's like two and when as i'm sitting there watching dinesh you know just be hilarious and and with gilfoyle or just like any of these different dynamics i sit there and i'm watching it and it's really funny and it's really good and at the exact same moment i am longing for a female voice in the conversation because i know it could be better it could be yeah. more interesting if they had more. Like, and every time they take the opportunity to add new characters, and they're all like even more dudes, it gets frustrating. Um, especially when women keep being ending up in the position of the uh, voice of sanity. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's an interesting thing to have a. I mean, this is maybe this is more of a me thing than the show thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel I always feel the void on Silicon Valley, regardless of how how good it is and how funny it is and how well it knows its characters. There is just I always feel the space of what it is missing and the potential of even like how much more I would enjoy it if they tweaked these couple of things. Does that ever happen to you? Uh sure. It I I mean it was definitely happening to me like the that first season of Halt and Catch Fire is a really good example, plus a nice tie-in to Silicon Valley with emphasis mm-hmm. on tech. Um, insofar as I kept going, Bonnie and Cameron are the most interesting things about this show, and yet I'm dealing with man pain. <laughs> <laughs> 
so no i i've run into that before and it's all it it just kind of depends on what a deal breaker is but i i'm sure a number of other people run into that much more than i do yeah and so it happens and i think it's a it's a good moment to reflect about what your priorities are and what you think a show's priorities are and decide if those things align and if you're going to continue to watch well, because it's not usually something that bothers me when I'm watching a show, like if mm-hmm. it if it's a good show. Right. Normally, it doesn't bother me if it's good. Um, but for whatever reason, it just kind of sits in the back of my mind, you know, and throws mm-hmm. spitballs. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is it is a really solid finale. Uh, sorry, premiere. It's really funny, and this the the directions that they're taking different characters this season are terrific, and um at least based on this first episode and I'm really looking forward to what comes next. But uh, yeah, Silicon Valley's back. It's very funny. I'm very glad again, all these people are getting monies um, and we'll see what happens the rest of the season. Certainly with um, Dinesh in charge now and big heads, dad in, you know, like affecting what's going on with the board and everything. There's, there's a lot of potential in what they've introduced. So we'll see we'll see where it goes. Um but let's move on to our next show and that's the Detour which has finale the Mule and the Ass. And um what did you oh, think I about I see what they do there. That's funny. Yeah, how about that, right? Yeah, yeah, that's um, funny. <laughs> so what did you think about the reveal of the Ass? I thought it was a fairly decent payoff all things considered. Yeah. Um I could have maybe done without the an actual Dick Cheney stand-in, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was kind of weird. <clears throat> but the actual payoff of the ass belonging to a Saddam Hussein statue, or it's not the Saddam Hussein statue. At least it's too small to be the Saddam Hussein statue, I think. I think they but, want us to think it is, though. Right. I think that I think they that's what they want. And I'm like... I don't think that, that that's how that works because otherwise that ass would be really huge It'd mm-hmm. be a huge ass anyway <laughs> uh but i like the payoff i thought that was really good um i enjoyed finally getting like the what you and i had discussed a little bit um like towards the end of the season but not like right at the end about the travelogue issue of the show not being able to go outside of new york or explore new york and suddenly we're in cuba slash puerto rico Mm-hmm. and that payoff worked really well because we got culture clashes even though most of it relied on Nate just being really dumb um which was kind of frustrating even if funny because sometimes it was just really dumb in terms of we're going to collide through this fruit stand and uh just run away from any and all responsibility but then he jumps over an electrical fence and then mm-hmm. falls into the electrical fence and it's just like oh, this is all hitting, like, in different spots, but it's not hitting really consistently. But in the end, I still was generally really happy with the payoff, but also not super enthused that we're still going to have another year of Uspis, or are we jumping ahead a year for the next season? Because the joke is is that it takes him a year to grow a beard, so Mm -hmm. when we come back to the interrogation, he has a beard. So I wasn't quite sure where we were landing on that. How do you? How did you feel about the finale and everything that happened? And, um, I liked yeah. the answer they gave us for the ass. Yeah, because it just this well this thing that didn't make sense all season. Sure, it's like yeah. is it? It's just why would any? But but I, I thought the answer was creative and fun. Um, but this whole second season has really been pretty underwhelming for me. 
Yeah. Uh, it's been like consistently fine or entertaining or there's and, and there certainly are things to like about the show. Certainly the performances, the chemistry and dynamics between all of the characters uh, is something we've consistently praised about the show. But it, it doesn't it hasn't come together um, yeah. anywhere near as well or as satisfyingly. And uh, I'm not excited about whatever is coming up next. Was it just me at the end? I'm like, are these children ever going to school? Like. Oh. Gosh, no. Like, no. Like, I, I mean, was, they were going to school, about. apparently, because she was in a talent show. <laughs> yeah, but you know what I mean, you know? Right. Like, I don't, I, I think it works better when it's a short span of time, like the first mm-hmm. season did in a series of Wacky Adventures, but not stretched out for months at a time and yeah. everything. Um, And the... Yeah, the just the the end and the payoff didn't really. Yeah, it didn't really work for me as much. I I would have liked, like I I think Nate was too dumb. Yeah, Nate should know that Cinco is five. Mm-hmm. Like that's not a hard one. No, he, he should know that. Like so, him confusing soup sofa with soap. Fair right. enough. It's very clear, but it's very clear that that's not soap. Yeah. Yeah, there's right? noodles in it. There's noodle like he, so. It was just it was like they they almost broke the character a little bit too much for this in a way for me in a way that didn't work. Um, and the and the the dynamite too with the cow like I don't know there were some of that stuff didn't really work for me. Um, and and the stuff with Uspis, I think the the ultimate payoff last season was much more satisfying. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of where I'm at with it. But all things considered, I do. I am glad that more people seem to be watching it, or at least talking about it, which was nice for me to see this week. Right, and that's been nice. And I'll, I'll be curious to see what they do with season three. Insofar as I seriously doubt we're going to stay very long in whatever Eastern, former Eastern European bloc country they ended up in. Well, they said <laughs> that they were still in America. Still in North America, but I mean, it seemed like they Is that weren't Alaska. <laughs> right yeah it's it seems most likely that they ended up in alaska um uh very far like north alaska Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so yeah alaska seems most likely um not an eastern european block but (laughs) well because they were really going for a russian feel until they said america yeah right so but yeah, so but I don't I don't suspect that they'll stay there very long. Along the similar lines that they didn't stay in the trailer park, mm-hmm. um, very long, well, the trailer house very long that they were in at the start of this season. Uh, but at the very least, it'll be interesting to see what they do if uh, Jr's not guiding them. Yeah, in some way or like retroactively being made to not guide them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the the heart of the show, what really makes it work is all the wacky comedy, but with the sense always that these this is a family that understands each other and supports yeah. each other. Um, that came through most of the way through the season. The random let's blow up the statue was, didn't make any sense for Robin. Um, so if they if they get less distracted by that stuff and stay more focused on the characters next season, I think it'll you know it'll work better. Yeah, no, I agree, and I even I I also agree with your point about the shortened, compressed time space mm-hmm. plays a big part, and just a more episodic approach almost would work a lot better. I think that was their strengths, and this wasn't like deeply, deeply serialized by any stretch of the imagination, but there was enough of a 
mystery through line as opposed to we're getting to this conference to stop this from happening type of through line Mm -hmm. that propelled that action forward whereas this was just weird questions that didn't really motivate enough story yeah they were trying to be too clever to fool the audience too much um and the the energy would have been better spent on on the some other elements of the show but certainly i've enjoyed on the overall on on the on the whole i've enjoyed the second season i'm looking forward to what happens next and i will be back for season three you will be back as well oh yeah absolutely okay another show that's back bob's burgers and we had zero larp 30 and the Laserinth. um i okay i swear i swear i saw the doll portion of the Laserinth like a year ago but okay. just the doll half it's so weird i have That's no idea very weird did you did did one of the dolls like hypnotize you was there a hypnotist doll like and it's just <laughs> like to the point where i was i started to watch and i was like wait is this a rerun like i've seen this thing where they go and she styles the, the doll and like and i said like and then these next three things that happen and like i swear i had seen only that part of the episode before it was messing me up am i just a crazy person or I don't think so, but now that you're saying it, I feel like I saw it too. <laughs> Maybe I'm just a hypochondriac uh, when it comes to Bob's Burgers episodes. Uh, it, it it did seem kind of familiar now that you're saying it. Um, drats. Yeah. Drats. L- now, listeners, now you... let me know if I'm crazy. Yeah. <laughs> by well, me, by association now. Thanks. What did you think Thanks. about the rest of, of, the, of the episode? Well, so... I, I I really enjoyed um, Zero LARP 30. I, I just, it was so funny. Mm-hmm. And I didn't care about, like, the fact that this is coming out because of their massive lead time in production and writing. That it's just like, we're going to do a Downton Abbey episode-ish. But Downton Abbey's over, and it's been over for, like, a year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it doesn't matter, because they skip most of the Downton Abbey like direct jokes to go with like the social class warfare stuff in a LARP, which was really, really funny. Even though I feel like in any sort of situation they'd swap after a couple of days. Yeah. 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 And just to make sure everyone got the both experiences, but I didn't care because it was just like, this is all really good. And I'm very upset that John Michael Higgins character is going to lose his security deposit. now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So no, it was really, really funny. Uh, I enjoyed how Bob just got really into it in terms of like, this is why I cigars and brandy. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't make you look smarter. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> it does yes it does and I, even like him being down in the servants quarter like with a cigar cutting off the end of it right mm-hmm. when they're talking about revolution which is like this is so good uh, <laughs> uh as for the laserinth i loved the concept of it like uh, i was a little surprised by like gene kind of being freaked out by it mm-hmm. because this was something i'd assume he'd be like super into as a musician yeah. as a guy who likes just crazy shit and there's nothing crazier than 70s 80s rock operas um but so but that propelled them the only thing that i just kind of got hung up on was like the sheer and very deep gender divide in that episode yeah of this is this is stuff guys like this is stuff girls like and it's Mm -hmm. just like this is a little weird and a little essentialist and it's 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 very odd i Maybe if we had swapped this, because I think Louise would have also eventually caved to either of these things, and she does cave to the doll stuff. But I feel like she would have caved to the Prague rock opera as well. Yeah. 
I, I could just see her eyes just going wide, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. I could see How her thinking you... any of this stuff was stupid or both of it was amazing. Um, and I also could, you know, it was good that we had the focus with the parents and the LARP episode, but I also can imagine Louis like, stoking revolution. Yeah. The, I hadn't thought too hard about the the gendering of it but you're absolutely 100% right at least Tina really is not down with the dolls (laughs) Tina's responses to all the dolls is amazing (laughs) which is delightful Uh, don't actually bring out any food they ordered and tell me (laughs) if they do like I just like her (laughs) the delivery and all of that like the the voice work on on Bob's is always terrific but it was particularly delightful in that part of it I thought Mm -hmm. um, I also like just a little like shout outs of Yes, and they do serve alcohol, and I knew you were wondering um, <laughs> for for for, for um, Linda and um, Bob's just total geeking out and nerdery over the light show was super fun. Which we know he does that. That's so very in character for him about certain things. But it's been a while since we got to see him like really nerd out about something. Right. Um, certainly, that's something that nobody else cares about, and uh, I, I really like the glee and the enthusiasm in his voice, and the, how excited he was to share this with Gene. Mm-hmm. It was really lovely. It was, it was, because they don't get a lot of stuff by themselves. I feel like, like yeah. Gene and Bob don't get a lot to do. Um, but I mean, we're also in like season seven, so I'm sure they have plenty of episodes, and I've just forgotten some. Mm-hmm. But it. But your point about him geeking out about stuff is really good because he does have those impulses. I mean, we most closely associate it with like Thanksgiving and how seriously he takes Thanksgiving. But then there was also like the fairy world storybook thing that he got totally suckered into that one time. Yeah. Or and it's the, just the like, bronies. Yeah, I don't remember yeah. what they called it. Equestronauts? No. What what was the Equestronauts is the actual name of the show. I don't remember yeah. what the the dude version was yeah, called, but. I, I don't remember, but yeah, he gets sucked right. into these things sometimes. And I, I, I really like when they let him do that. But I also like your point that these are things that are very often no one else is really into. And that just makes the humor really funny because it leads to an exasperated Bob. And there's almost nothing better than an exasperated but still excited Bob. Yeah. Um, as to the LARP episode, like I, like you, they would 100% have switched partway through. Like you couldn't mm-hmm. sustain... A, a LARP weekend like that away with having one half of the people just get shit on the whole time would not work. Um, but it was super duper fun. And, and the moral of the story being, yeah, it would actually have sucked to live back then unless yeah. you were one of the, it's, it's nice that it's not like that now. It's a super <laughs> elite ruling uh, rich class and everybody else. <laughs> um, that, uh, that, that I thought they, played that to just the right level and uh in the stuff with i always enjoy time with teddy so having Mm -hmm. teddy babysit uh, worked worked well too so these were fun two episodes and i I enjoyed these two especially having a back-to-back more than i have more than i've liked the show for a a while i think not that i haven't liked it but like these were more memorable to me right these were two really strong episodes to air at the same time no less like it was a it was a really good one-two punch this weekend yeah I feel like for Speechless, this episode we get here, R-U-N, Runaway, um, would have been more powerful if they had aired it like the one-two punch. It clearly was intended to be. So we had a part one, where which ends with J.J. leaving, overhearing this conversation about his future that he's not been invited to participate in. And then... A week then, off. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And then we get downtime, and then we come back to this, and uh, yeah... It would like imagine if they aired them back to back on the same night. Yeah, 
I think it would have hit. Uh, it still hits pretty well, but I feel like the through line for it would have been a bit better. Yeah, and um, then you, yeah, right. I feel like the uh, it would have been more impactful, and then the slighter elements of both episodes wouldn't have felt as slight right. either. Right. No, that's exactly what I was going to say. Like the swerve away from JJ's uh, response to the conversation to two more subplots. <laughs> It just well kind of okay like the rope stuff was a little ridiculous and frankly didn't really go anywhere i don't mind this idea of kenneth as a former college basketball star but i feel like that needed to be like half an episode really mm -hmm. <laughs> and here it just it didn't quite click into place as much mainly because i wanted like jj for like the bulk of the episode and instead we got divvied into thirds and it just, it it felt like a weird distraction from a pretty major point, especially considering, like, Dylan just exits this whole concept really quickly. Even though it kind of runs, it comes back to circle with Ray's, um, Ray's uh, thing with eventually being like, I'm going to be there for him, this kind of a thing. But it just, like, Dylan never comes back. And it was just, it was very weird, but the JJ stuff I thought was generally all right. Uh, I liked how it ended. Like the ending of it, I think made up for a lot of the flaws. But I was, I was, I was expecting a lot more. Um, and it started off so well with all the, all the stare jokes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who designed this hellscape? <laughs> I liked that they just move later, which, yeah. which was nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I guess it wouldn't necessarily have a elevator. Yeah. Depending yeah. on when the building was built, of course. Well, any building that has saloon doors to the kitchen is not going to have an elevator. <laughs> I think that's a pretty safe bet. That's you make a good you make a good point there, Noel. Um, isn't the the Americans with Disabilities Act a beautiful, wonderful, amazing thing? Isn't that a good <laughs> thing that we have now? It is <laughs> kind of thing that should be championed and supported and built upon. And yes, the. It, this these things like that, like the Americans Disabilities Act, are surprisingly recent in our country, and I think it's important every now and again to be reminded of them. Even uh, be reminded of that, and how many people had to work how hard and fight how hard for how long, so that you know we wouldn't have to push incredibly heavy chairs up upstairs <laughs> um, choose planks. another day to move any other day <laughs> yeah yeah it was a nice they they, they they done good with that um yeah it was a i agree um compared to the build-up we got it was a little disappointing but overall i think it was still a really solid episode yeah yeah no yeah i i think i was just expecting a heavier focus on jj than what we ended up getting yeah, uh, but still overall, it felt like for me the weakest episode in a while, which was I think the other reason I was kind of surprised. Um, yeah, but it's still part of a really good show in its first season, so I can't be too upset. I want to be really upset, but I can't be. Can't. <laughs> well, what about Jane the Virgin, Chapter Sixty? It's also been off the air for a while. It's coming back. Um, I sort right. of had to remind myself to to watch it, but once I got mm -hmm. into the swing of it, I did really enjoy this episode. How you know? Did did you like? Were you like, oh goodness, yay, Jane's back! I'm so excited. Or was it like, oh yeah, that's a thing that I watch and really like. What was your yeah. reaction? No, I came back to Jane's really excited. Uh, mm -hmm. And this episode really rewarded me. I liked 
pretty much everything that was happening. Some of the side Petra stuff wasn't like grabbing me, but it was also like the least important thing in the episode. Uh, in part because we were dealing with Jane finding out what it is to be a major, uh, assumed to be rising budding author who has mm-hmm. to navigate personal integrity, the product, and selling books. <laughs> yeah. And I really liked how all of that played out. Uh, I liked that it was her professor who was just like, oh, you give it up already. Look at this closet of sad things. <laughs> and I have a whole storage unit more of these things. Uh, wasn't the name of her book like Revolva or something? I think so, which is the best Just title. amazing. <laughs> yeah. And so perfect for that woman. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like the notion that Jane would have this backstory and then be like, mm, don't talk about it. It's like. Are you kidding me? You went right. through all of this stuff. The very least you can do is use that to get people to un- like even take a second look at you. You know, like mm-hmm. y- you get them in the door with the here's my crazy backstory. Also, right. read my book. Yeah, exactly. And sh- I feel like she should know that. And I appreciate like Jane. It's very Jane for Jane to be. I just want the work to stand on its own. I don't. It, it it's very like author of her like close read type stuff mm-hmm. but it's also very like that's the whole selling point of your book is that it's thinly veiled and set in 1903 yeah <laughs> which is the best year i've heard great things about that year <laughs> i feel like there should be more zoe in her you know there should be right. more of a hustler like and i'm and and maybe they were supposed to connect in with the the still having you know still dealing with and processing the loss of michael and everything that that's part of it as well but i mean come on you gotta get get people she knows what it is to to be a struggling writer so Mm -hmm. and if the first one doesn't sell you're not going to get them to sell the second so yeah anyways it was a fun episode and and it was very balanced i liked the paralleling of the various ladies uh, relationship situations and the waterfalls this was all pretty (laughs) fun um how are you feeling about our onset romance that we have going on for jane i'm excited about it a little bit in Mm -hmm. so far as he he's so different yeah and he seems like a really sweet dummy uh (laughs) but i i'm sure there are like depths there that or hidden somewhere. Even like his response to being moved by her words, it feels he's, he's, he's not being like manipulative in any way, shape or form. I mean, I feel like it's a really genuine response that he's having. And I pray to God, he's not somehow wrapped up in a crime syndicate. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I really like that. I mean, there's, there's a, there's an earnestness to this character that I think is really great. And I liked, how this even tied into how he was responding to Rogelio and how Rogelio ended up responding to him and the whole, but I went with Michael to go, mm-hmm. go get my mani petties And I, 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 Kate, I started crying a little bit. I, right. <laughs> I love, we needed the Rogelio moment. I was very glad we got it here. Yeah, no, I was just like, have we gotten like a real like discussion about this at all? And I really couldn't remember. Yeah. But I don't I think also- so. I really don't think we had. So I was really glad to get it here. And just like the flashback to it, I was just like, you're making me cry, Jane the Virgin, over a very brief scene in a much larger episode. (laughs) Stop it. We're not even on the porch. I wasn't prepared for this. No, No, they're not. They're like backstage. It's like, I wasn't prepared for this. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's funny. 
Uh, what about uh, Alba and her her uh, her romantic interest? I loved the. I'm not 62 anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that that was a very funny line. No, I liked it as well. Uh, I, and I liked the through line with her, but I also liked the ribbing she receives mm-hmm. about it from Zoe and from Jane uh, regarding. Do you have a flower you can crash? <laughs> <laughs> It was it was very good, and I, I liked that, and I liked their navigating of it, and their tentativeness, I think, was really good as two people who have probably not, well, been in relationships for a while, and how difficult that can be to balance things. So I really enjoyed that aspect of it, and I, I enjoyed how even, like, the water gun triggered the aforementioned waterfalls. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how did you feel about it? No, it was great. I I really liked it. I thought it was a good resolution to what would clearly have to be an issue. Um, And I'm glad that they brought it up. I loved that they were giving her a hard time, a well-deserved hard time. And yeah, so much of this episode really worked for me. The, the, I try to think of anything like I'm iffy about this whole um, Raph being into Petra thing. Right. Um, Cause, cause like it just, if, they're going to get any of the central people together. It needs to last. Yeah. At this point. And yeah. this is a weird thing to say at, in into season three, but it's kind of a, at this point sort of thing. They're smart enough to not, yeah. if they if it's not real, like the characters, yeah. I mean, yes. so yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. I, I'm also glad we got a little, we're getting some space away from Mateo's like, issues like behavior yeah. issues and the school it's good that we're getting some you know a little break from all that stuff and and it's nice to see jane the writer we were overdue some jane the writer time so yeah uh, uh, we we've left out one element and i think it's telling that we've left out one element uh yeah had louisa, and Ro- louisa and rose and they're they're uh malfunctioning hotel room of it's a mask not not <laughs> like surgery come on show yeah 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 is all i can say to that because it's also just like sudden kind of body type switches too yeah <laughs> completely went, different body type yeah and i just went oh this isn't this isn't working guys and i i like the idea that louisa wants to like meet and it, it keeps getting pulled into a world where she wants to be better, but also is, doesn't can't give up Rose. But it's also just like I've we've gone through this for three years now. Yeah, I I, I, I need something different with Louisa because I really like that character a lot because she's just she's so she's on a different wavelength from everyone else on the show, and it's yeah. always a different dynamic when she comes around. But it's the same storyline every time she comes around. Yeah. And I want something different. Yeah, I, I, I agree 100%. And if they're not going to do something new, which I don't think there's anything new they could do. Yeah. I like the, the brief bickering of you could have killed someone. There was that 30 <laughs> seconds. You know, I liked that. But um, we were both getting itchy from the lotion. Mm-hmm. But if they're not going to, and it looks like they're not, then we got to just we got to move on. I, mean, I, I like you I also really enjoy Louisa and so much of that is down to the performance yeah, like that character we've talked about in the past that character should not work um, mm-hmm. the fact that she does it all is a testament to the, to the performance but um, they gotta do something different and yeah that, that's sort of how I feel about a lot of the side characters here uh, I'm not excited about uh, the you know uh, 
Agnieszka being back. I probably butchered her name. It's been a while. Aneska. Uh, Aneska um, being back. And um, yeah, same thing with Rose and, and all of that. So I don't know. Let's keep it the more real with like the flourishes of telenovela that we get, the, the more I tend to enjoy the show. Yeah, and I, I think that's fair. Or like trotting out like the larger telenovela stuff in big-ish episodes when yeah. we're doing some sort of a turn. But the show's kind of the show keeps like wanting to go back to these kind of fantastical things, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. But it's also like I feel like it's steadily moving away from them in a lot of like the more fantastical elements. I feel like it's steadily finding ways to not always rely on them and finding stuff to do other it's finding other things to do and so whenever like crime lords intrude upon the proceedings or um it's just sort of a yeah but you guys aren't doing anything necessarily new here Mm -hmm. that you guys haven't done already and it's one thing when you're doling out plot on like a daily or weekly basis but in a shorter time frame but when you're stretched out across 22 network episodes with a month off sometimes yeah either really come up with something new or just scale it back somehow yeah no i i agree i agree um uh, yeah i yeah let's move on to our last show here cuz i i think otherwise i'll just start agreeing with you more and repeating myself. So let's move on to our last show of the segment. And that is RuPaul's Drag Race Reality Stars, the musical, which had them lip syncing, not singing to a Kim Kardashian uh, or just Kardashian family musical. Um, Inspired by Hamilton, quite clearly. (laughs) Yes. Parts of it, uh, certainly. Um, But uh, we had the return of the mini challenge. We had the return of the pit crew. We had a, a little more time spent on the runway, certainly than last week. Um, and we actually had people trying, not very well, but at least trying in the lip sync. So this, like, by default, I think was better, <laughs> a better episode than last week. How are you feeling about the show? Was this the jolt of energy that you needed to kind of reinvigorate on the show? Or is it still like, this is better, but it's not enough? Well, remember that last week, I liked last week's episode a lot more than you did. Oh, that's right. Um, you did. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, uh I felt I felt that the episode was fine overall, mm-hmm. um, and I I agree that the lip sync energy for the the lip sync competition as opposed to the musical challenge lip sync yeah um it, it was a very like kind of even keeled energy level for it so when Rue was just like excuse me. And I just went, are we just going to keep both of them because they both kind of sucked? Or are you checking with yeah. the producers to make sure to see if you can eliminate both of them because they both kind of suck? <laughs> oh, no, we're going to send some home. We're going to send Erica home. And I just went, oh, OK, well, I guess that makes sense. But I'm glad Erica can come back when she gets better for next yeah. season. <laughs> um, Apparently, that was like still from the cheer challenge. So Eureka like popped her knee. Eureka. And, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Charlie had cracked a rib. And, like, so, like, four or five queens got injured doing the, like, there's some some scuttlebutt online about it, but apparently it was, like, mm-hmm. a huge disaster, and they're, like, never again. This was a <laughs> terrible idea. It's just sort of tanked large chunks of the season, which is interesting. Um, yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah. I didn't, I, I, I don't keep up with this online. I just watch it. So I didn't know any of that. So that's really, really interesting. Yeah. I think the, the theories that they didn't have any idea how physical 
cheerleading like real cheerleading is and so mm-hmm. they're like we can just do a cheer challenge and they were like we're gonna go big for our first episode on vh and then they were like oh oh we've killed we half sh- our queens maybe we shouldn't have the 50 year old like <laughs> lifting heavy people you know like any people for five days in training for a, like a three minute or actually i think it was like five minute episode yeah. part of the episode anyways i'm getting distracted um no, yeah it's, it's relevant yeah but i, I the, yeah I, it was a shame to see eureka go i, I thought but I think it was pretty clear she knew it was coming, though, because she's like, let's rehab my image before I leave. They're like with Charlie. They're like, well, Charlie's getting eliminated. So let's make sure we have him talk about the fact that he lived through the AIDS epidemic and has a connection to that that none of the other queens can have. So we have to talk about AIDS before he leaves at the end of the episode. And this was we have to have Eureka talk about apologizing for eating disorder stuff this week before we send her home. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a really good point. Uh so yeah, I, I it was a fine episode. I enjoyed the Kardashian stuff. Um yeah. and I enjoyed like the discussion uh, like to your point about uh bringing up the eating disorders. I liked that particular through line of and that's something that this show's always done really well um again based on the seasons I watched, but I feel like the seasons doing more of it in terms of having discussions about certain things now is it working for you or is it feeling too manipulative or manufactured it's both um for me like i mean it feels very manufactured and very we're gonna have a kind of a special moment type of thing but i'd rather have a special moment than sniping basically Mm mm-hmm and so I enjoy that more. I just like, I, I, I like the PSA aspect of it, basically. Mm-hmm. And I can get behind doing that as opposed to just people tossing shade um, while they're doing their makeup, which it just feels increasingly, it's funny and it's entertaining and we can go, woo, type of thing. <laughs> but I, I'd rather them be able to like raise awareness about this kind of stuff. So doing this kind of stuff, I think, is more significant. And this idea of, like, body types within the gay community and that bring that kind of stuff up was really good. And so, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it, even while I acknowledge that it feels kind of manufactured. Are you feeling it's too manufactured, then? No, I just have seen that comment online from people, like, trying to... I've, I've, I've seen a lot of discussion back and forth of how people feel about it. I mean, it's working for me, even though it does feel very, like, okay, well, we're talking about this because Eureka's going home, and Eureka <laughs> wants to fix her... She's savvy enough to know that she needs to, to like, fix over that mess-up from last week that the fans won't like, mm-hmm. you know? Like, so, like, yeah, it's very clear why they're talking about the topics they are at a given time, but, um, no, after that really unfortunate lip sync i would have been happy sending both of those queens home uh, i also really like the kardashian musical it was a lot funnier and better than i expected yes yeah <laughs> hence why we led into the segment with with some of that music um but no i th- i the queen should have done a better job with it i thought but the ones who did good did a good job really separated themselves so mm-hmm. uh i i need to have uh nina Benina. Uh, Brown, stop with the very deliberate single tear down the sh- down the cheek with the makeup that intentionally is going to run so that you can see. Like, come on, don't tell me, don't tell me she's going to a queen that polished and that badass at her makeup 
is gonna like especially in a challenge where, where you might be moving or she's it's a runway challenge but still like where sweat might be a thing they're gonna have makeup that runs uh-uh not for a second do I buy that. That is an intentional, okay, and then I'll get emotional and I'll cry and my makeup will run in just the right way. You're like, come on. So, like, the, the drama we were getting with Nina Benina Brown this week was ridiculous and not interesting. So, hopefully, that will improve. Right. And that's the thing. It's just, like, her her, her work is so good mm-hmm. that it doesn't need any of that. So it it feels it, it as so much of it just feels motivated by like the time pressure of we do this all like back to back to back to back to back. There's no actual week between anything. We just do this the next day. Yeah. <laughs> and so like the pressure cooker of it all, I think, can get to people. But it's also just but you can also acknowledge the fact that your work is really, really good. And it is. Mm hmm. So, yeah, yeah, we'll see. But it's also just like, I don't think anyone else is like super high drama motivated. Yeah. And they need something, basically. <laughs> That's true. It's true. Yeah. Are you excited for Snatch Game? I'm so excited. I didn't know that they were doing, I saw that they were doing that when I was pulling up stuff um, for our discussion. I saw that was coming. I didn't see that as a preview, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I always it's look always forward fun. to Snatch Game. Yeah. 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 Well, what wins your week in comedy and reality? Uh, it it was such a good one-two punch that I have to go to Bob's Burgers this week. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I think um, I'm torn. I guess I guess I'll give it to Silicon Valley. It was a really strong premiere, and I had a lot of fun with it. I I probably laughed more with Silicon Valley, so I'll give it I'll give it to them. Now okay. we'll take a break and come back with our week in drama and genre. Smoking Joe Fraser, the hell raiser, raising hell with the flavor. Terrorize the jam like troops in Pakistan. Swinging through your town like your neighborhood Spider Man. So all tick tock and keep ticking. When I get you flipping off the shit, I'm kicking. The Lone Ranger, co wet, danger. Deep in the dark with the art to rip the charts apart. The vandal, too hot to handle your battle. You're saying goodbye like Devin Campbell. Rough neck, inspect the decks on the set. The rebel, I make more noise than heavy metal. The way I make the crowd go wild. Sit back, relax. Ray got it going on, pal. Call me the rap assassinator. Rhymes rugged and built like Schwarzenegger. And I'ma get mad deep like a threat. Blow up your project, then take all your assets. Cause I came to shake the frame in half with the thoughts that This week in drama and genre, we're gonna talk about the feud finale. You mean all this time we could have been friends? Uh, then I'll talk briefly about The Leftovers, Don't Be Ridiculous, and Better Call Saul, Sunk Costs, before we talk Adventure Time Elements. I'm not going to list all the episode titles, just the miniseries, as well as Supergirl, Ace Reporter, and The Flash, The Once and Future Flash. So first up is the Feud finale. We've sort of gotten away from talking about Feud um, as we just sort of ran out of new things to say besides the things that are good are still good and the things that are not interesting are still not interesting. Um where do you feel like the finale left feud? Was there anything that kind of clicked for you or did it just sort of go, yeah, that feels about right. It very much kind of felt this feels about right. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I wonder how much like I, I, I was feeling like the show was kind of running out of steam anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, in no small part because they want, they wanted to like, end. <sighs> sorry, let me start over. Is like, the season increasingly was about a feud, air quotes, 
mm-hmm. but it wasn't about like a few per se insofar as it the main thrust of this was much more so about women entertainment hollywood and how a feud is created through this sort of thing and completely manufactured and that's the end note basically mm-hmm. but we we already got that note multiple times <laughs> Yeah. And now we're seeing the fallout of it, basically, with this as uh, Betty Davis struggles to find any consistent TV work. And Joan Crawford just slips slowly and slowly into isolation and emotional distress, <laughs> if not outright madness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and again, all of it is fine. But it, apart from, again, like the things that were mainly Susan Sarandon's performance, again, just really consistently, but also like having Alison Wright come back for this episode in a couple of in a couple of scenes, particularly like the interview segment with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, just um, she's so good. <laughs> <laughs> and she gets so and I mean, this isn't like the stuff that even like I got to see her do when I watched like two seasons of the Americans, which I mean, it's just the first two seasons. So I don't even get to see like the devastation. You have not, you have like, she's so amazing. She's so much better. She's good here. She's so much more amazing because she gets more to work with, but yeah, right. She's, she's good. (laughs) Yeah, she's good. And so I, I really liked like her coming back and like her little story about seeing Crawford and LaGuardia just really hit home really hard. But that was like, something that she describes and it's also important to remember like her character is composite and wasn't a woman who actually existed but it was like the biggest thing that really hit apart from just again realizations that they could have like connected had it not been for hollywood and patriarchy and And themselves too and themselves to like certain degrees but they're motivated so much by needing to be superior and to survive and to feel like they're clawing for one another's roles and that kind of thing that that the only person who skates by is Hepburn because she's just such a snob <laughs> so it was just stuff that we'd gotten before I felt like um and so it all still worked I feel like Lang ended up with a weird performance that never really fell into place a lot of the time but it's also one of those benefits that Murphy's shows now have is that, oh, well, I didn't particularly, I liked Feud, but I didn't, like, love Feud. And so it's just like, well, that's okay. You can get you can get Charles and Diana next week, next season. And it's just like, oh, but I don't know if I want that, if this is kind of how this is going to play in terms of external forces, which is what drives these people to dislike one another less than necessarily personality conflict type of stuff uh but i've rambled for enough how did you <laughs> feel about it well i think it's interesting because um i really loved jessica lang's performance in this mm-hmm. uh, particularly this last episode that the the dinner sequence the imagined dinner sequence i thought was absolutely lovely and such a wonderful flourish for the last episode to give us a, an excuse to have them in the scene together. Cause of course they wouldn't be. Um, I thought that that the tone of that worked really well and the costuming and everything, it was a lovely just sequence. And um, for, yeah, for me, this, this finale was all about Lang's performance. So it's interesting to me that it didn't click for you. Um, but I agree. Sarandon was also terrific. And um, yeah, the, I loved the way they interacted with the idea of Kate Hepburn, especially Betty Davis, like Sarandon's performance. Um, because the difference was that she just didn't buy into this stuff. 
Right. And they did. And the the, the fact that, that D- Davis doesn't see that as a legitimate option for her, you know, it's like, well, you could have just not cared what all these people thought about you and just lived your life and then you would have been so much happier. But that's not her. I liked the, very much that they brought back her daughter, her other daughter uh, at the mm-hmm. end and reminded, you know, the viewers of her. Um, I liked that we got some time away from Mamacita so that when she came back, it was more powerful. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just, on the whole, I thought it was a, a good finale for a episode or a season that, um, in a year of less interesting TV, or maybe if we hadn't had the people versus OJ Simpson last year, we, I think this would have been much more impressive. It, it's, if, I think that like, because there's stuff to enjoy on, on a on a history level, on a old like a Hollywood nostalgia level, certainly, and on a period piece level, and certainly on a performance level. But um, it doesn't come together into anything more for me. And um, while I appreciate the the more thoughtful take, especially on Joan Crawford, I think this is a more thoughtful take on Joan Crawford than I've seen in pretty much any other fiction like take like you know adaptation you know um yeah i would have liked even more of that that's what's most interesting to me is all the different things that shaped these very distinct and very opinionated and strong and also in many ways very fragile women yeah and i i think your point about crawford's depiction is accurate i i Lang's performance never really clicked for me for most of the season. Um, mm-hmm. It was, and I can't tell you why, um, which is which is a failing of mine. But it's <laughs> just something that never, I, I never found a way to connect to it. And it always it, I think a lot of it boiled down to the fact that Lang went whole hog on this idea of. Crawford's performance is artifice and that it just like subsumed her as a person and Sarandon went a much more naturalistic way which mirrors Davis's own type of performance style mm-hmm. and it, I I think that the weird disconnect is that a it's difficult to recapture that kind of classical Hollywood performative style today without it looking kind of weird especially mm-hmm. on like a television show, but then there's like no break between that for Crawford is what kind of threw me for a loop almost. Well, not a loop, but just kind of kept me at arm's length. Um, and also the show's insistent, uh, insistence on recreating things with the new actors. Um, yeah. Well, with the, it was also just kind of bizarre, even as, as much as I love like Mark um, Gleave as Joseph Cotton is just like, perfect (laughs) perfect it was too perfect but that kind of thing was just kind of weirdly distracting anyway so it just kind of Crawford's performance ended up just always kind of keeping me just a little bit distanced um just because the artifice kept sinking back into it um but thematically I think it worked it's just I couldn't engage it uh so that's where I ended up falling with that um I forget where the rest of this was going. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I don't know that I agree that this would have been something I would have responded more strongly to um, had we not had O.J. Simpson. 
or any sort of other type of strong kind of anthology-based program, just because I think so much of it, again, felt like it was just really driving home its ideas, but without really putting different spins on those ideas. And I, I think that would have been a failing either way. Whereas, again, like going back to OJ, where it's just like, we're going to talk about the 90s and now, but we're just going to do it from a totally different angle each episode. Uh, but there's very few angles that you can reasonably take and still feel sort of historically accurate at yeah. given the time period and everything. And I think that was just a limitation. So it may end up working better for them when they do Charles and Diana. I see. Uh, this gives me no confidence. Like the 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 lack of enough enough understanding and depth of the topics they were exploring in this season right. has gives me no confidence that they're going to do a good job with Charles and Diana. Right, and there's significantly more stuff to like bite off there as yeah. well as the other problem. It's just like, oh, uh, well, you can talk about paparazzi and the rise of the paparazzi in the media. That's just that's just one aspect of it, and then you've got a lot of hearsay, mm -hmm. a lot, <laughs> yeah, more so than this, where there's like enough like stuff that you can draw from from various reports to like pull something together. But them, that's just that's a lot of hearsay and rumor mongering. That's a lot harder to pin down. Yeah, I'm I'm not very interested in the next one. We'll see if I I assume I probably will come back, but if if peak tv keeps peaking then maybe not yeah. yeah and i mean for me a lot of it just like boils down to casting for that more so than anything and mm -hmm. uh, so if they get like an if they if they get a couple of folks for if they get a really strong like co-leads for that i'll probably circle back but if i don't think if i'm not like drawn in by the leads i probably won't even bother yeah well, well we'll see we'll see when they announce that stuff uh, our next up here is the leftovers. Don't be ridiculous, or the the perfect strangers episode. Um, and using the perfect yeah, strangers talk to me theme. About this. <laughs> okay, so because you have not seen the leftovers, no, so, but I know Marklin Baker's in this. Marklin Baker's in this, and he plays himself. And in the world of the show, two percent of the population just disappeared at a certain point. I know point. the premise, Kate, but thank yes, you. but. <laughs> All of his all of his co-stars on Perfect Strangers were taken, except okay. for him. Sure. And the odds of that are tiny, um, yeah. Because only two percent of the population was. So like he he it pops up as like a like a joke like in passing that he had faked his disappearance, his departure. I um, mean, the previous mm -hmm. season, and then they bring him back here, and they do it in such. It shouldn't work, you know. It, it should <laughs> it should just like be like quashing the joke you know mm -hmm. but instead they take it seriously and then and they look at the desperation that that gives this character and they tie that in with nora it was a beautiful another it will surprise none of our listeners i love the leftovers i love the premiere of course i love this episode as well the nora centric episodes are always terrific carrie coon is a badass regina king is back in this week's episode um, only with Carrie Coon, so I have a feeling again scheduling <laughs> impacted that. That's why she wasn't in the big group scene because she probably only had a few days, uh, would be my guess. Um, but I loved the, the scenes they had together. Um, the dynamic we get between Nora and and like the Thoreau character. I mean, like it's it's such a lovely thing to see. It's such a distinct 
like it takes a very specific person to walk in on what Nora walks in on and respond the way that she does in this episode, which I'm keeping intentionally vague for if you ever watch the show, no. Um, and it's so cool to watch her and understand why she is that person and why they do work so well together and understand each other so incredibly well. Um, yeah, it was another episode about loss and about anger and about faith and about understanding and about so much. Oh, it's an amazing show. You'll love it. I hope when you finally see it, um, if not, just going to break my little leftovers fangirl heart, but that's okay. Um, well, it's okay. Better- You'll disown me. Corey will disown me. It's fine. You know, like, like you do. Um, Better Call Saul, Sunk Cost. This was another really strong episode, and I, I liked uh, a lot of what we got here. The fact, like, oh, man, the fact that, that uh, he's coming after his law, uh, uh, after Jimmy's law license, and the, the way that that is going to energize this trial, is going to energize the season, um, and really draw a line in the sand um should be really terrific and a lot of fun. The process stuff we get, the scheming of, of Jimmy to try to figure out the best possible step forward, uh, work, this all works really well. I still don't care that much about Gus and, um, uh, and Mike, but, you know, if they have to be in the episode, that stuff was all good too. Um, but for me, again, the, the core is what we're getting with, with Jimmy and his brother, and I look forward to the fight ahead because... Yeah, I'm I'm way back on board with with Better Call Saul in a way I wasn't in season two because it was hard to watch knowing what was headed our way. The having this trial really does feel more focused on the ways that, like the different things that can happen to get Jimmy to Saul rather than to push Kim out of Jimmy slash Saul's life. Um, so that is much more entertaining for me to watch. <laughs> so you get all the positives the last season with less of the anxiety and uh, it's really working for me. So glad to be back on board and much more enthused for the season of Better Call Saul. Let's move on to Adventure Time. We had elements. There's been some hit and miss with these various miniseries that have been happening. Uh, where does this one rate for you? I think this is my favorite one. Um, okay. Like I enjoy like all of like the answer type stuff that we got with islands and i wasn't a big fan of stakes but i i think just the sheer weirdness of elements coupled with um uh some like some of the lighter lighter but also still heavier mythology stuff that we got with this i i just feel like there was a really good balance of stuff here and I think that's why it was my favorite. Uh, how did you feel about it then? Like, where does this one rank for you then? I, I, I definitely like it more than Stakes. I agree Stakes was very yeah. underwhelming, uh, very disappointing. Um, if only because we're like, oh, and all a Marcy like, feature one is going to be amazing. And then it wasn't. And yeah, so this is certainly above that. I think I like this. I, th- I think I like parts of Islands better. Sure. But I think I like the overall I like elements more um mm-hmm. the trajectory of it I think works really well you think you have a handle on how what they're gonna do and then we lose Jake or we lose Bimo immediately and then we lose Jake and then you think okay well now we got even more more motivation and then we lose Finn and it becomes an LSP show and I loved it <laughs> I didn't need quite as much it felt like there was some filler earlier on 
Um, but when it started to click together, it was very effective for me. And the, like the fire fin and, and all of that leading to the battle with in candy. And then like how everything comes together, um, that I thought worked really, really nicely. So, so it was a little slower going. I like the, the first episode kicked off really strong and then it was felt a little slower going. And then once it clicked in, it, it hit another gear for me and I liked, um, the, the, the energy it was able to build up as it moved towards the finale. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, um, I like the bespoke four is just so much exposition that yeah. it, it just kind of, cr- kind of crawls a little bit to a halt. And then winter lights really good, but then cloudy is necessary, but yeah. feels it, it, it's just way too much of a break at even though there's an episode between it and bespoke for it's too it's oddly too much of like a momentum break but you can't have the rest of it without cloudy mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's one of those things where i enjoyed that it was just jake and finn playing barbershop and i thought that was really it, it was fun and it was a good way for them to kind of like reconnect and like have their relationship really ironically grounded <laughs> despite being up in the air. Um, but the rest of the, the the back half of it doesn't work without Cloudy for me in that we need that bond to be reaffirmed with upon the discovery of Jake returning and looking like his shapeshifter mm-hmm. parent. And which is just like, oh, right. That was a thing that happened. <laughs> I forgot a little bit because it's been how long since Joshua and Martha investigate. (laughs) So, yeah, but like once it got going, like once like slime slime central kicks in and has like the crazy slime party and but then everything else after that's just really good. And I'm not like the biggest LSP fan, but I really liked how LSP is deployed here. And that the show really used her overall sense of isolation from the rest of Ooh to really good effect here in so far as, yeah, I've been to all of all four of these kingdoms and nothing affects me. And it's just because I'm too, I'm too cool. Uh, I don't want to be bossed <laughs> around by any of these guys. And, but uh, there's more going on, but it's also just, it's pure LSP, but it's really well deployed LSP, which has always been, Sort of my thing is like LSP sometimes just doesn't work for me, but it's really well done here. So I was really happy with that. We get just the right amount as yeah. well of, of her. So like, and I love just like the, what was it? Like no more learning or whatever she was. Yeah. Saying. No more studying. <laughs> You've been studying just for hours. As we get like the exact piece of information that we need, like the right. timing of that, I thought worked really well. And it was super it was super fun. It was an, a needed like tonal change from what we'd been getting as well. Um, so yeah. What did you think of Felicia day as Betty instead of Lena Dunham? Um, I, I, I don't know that I have a good answer to that in part because I never really latched on Dunham's performance. Like her energy for me just never clicked in sometimes um until like the end like the where she ends up going magic betty i thought she found something in that character that she didn't really have within the first couple episodes because i had actually just watched betty to kind of refresh myself a little bit 
um, prior to this. And her performance in that is just kind of weirdly, I don't know, it's just vocally, I don't know that she fit, which it made sense given that she was from a whole other time period. But it just, it didn't work for me quite as well. But I, I liked Day, I think, more just overall in terms of just energy-wise, but vocal quality. But I think also just that has to do with the fact that Betty's been Magic Betty for however long now. And a voice change almost kind of makes sense. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of how I felt about it. Um, how did you feel then? Yeah, no, I agree. Um I like Dunham more than you did, mm-hmm. I think. But I think you know, I I assumed that there was just like a issue with availability because since they yeah. maintained all, like everybody for you know the the voice consistency, as far as I'm aware. Um, so I'm sure that that's what inspired it. But um, Felicia Day did a good job, and the like <laughs> lady knows her like maniacal cackling. <laughs> she does. <laughs> it, that, that worked very well. Um, I also liked where we ended with Betty on Mars, <laughs> you know, on trial or whatever. With that was normal a nice, man. Yeah. Yeah. It was a nice way to go. Um, and just the closing note of, okay, well, whatever's going on with Jake, we're going to figure it out. It'll be okay. You know, glad the ooze back, you know, it was a nice, it was a nice place to end it off with. There's still more to go. There's still more adventures clearly we'll be having, um, and significant issues to resolve. Right. But. The most important thing is everybody's alive. <laughs> we'll go from right. there. And, and, and you know, um, bubblegum's not a giant tower of bubblegum. Yeah. <laughs> that, that sings creepy songs. Yeah. <laughs> sings Super creepy, creepy covers. <laughs> yep. 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 That's summon candy zombies, but not actual you know. zombies, just candy zombies. Um, candy. What did you think about, like, all the different versions of these beloved characters? Like... I, I, I really liked the different versions of Lady that we got. I liked Lady Flamacorn. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I liked like Rainbow Stick of Gum Rainacorn or like mm-hmm. Fruit Strip. Um but yeah. I, I liked that. But I also liked like all the slime skaters, uh including Breakfast Princess. Yeah. Um so I liked I liked that. Did were did any particularly stand out for you? Oh, Marshmallow Marceline was awesome. Oh, God. Yes, I can't believe I forgot Marshmallow Marshalline, but yes. <laughs> Marshalline? Was it Marshalline? It sounds right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was probably my favorite. Um, And the, again, the di- distinct feel of the different areas I thought also worked really well. Um, the, the fox being like super like low energy or whatever in the ice kingdom was was interesting. And just seeing who would pop up when, I thought the yeah. different cameos were deployed very well. Yeah, I thought so too, and I, 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 I like that each one sort of had a very driven personality, aside from the Slime Kingdom, which I felt was very weirdly party-centric, which is something I never really associated with Slime Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, but I liked how like the Ice Kingdom was just like slow and doom, and life doesn't have any meaning. Mm-hmm. And the Fire Kingdom was just like, we're going to fight some nerds! <laughs> aside from, but except for cinnamon bun who's increasingly lucid and perceptive which is something that was happening yeah. before this but he's like super perceptive and lucid in this one and i really liked that too mm-hmm. so yeah any final thoughts on on elements uh 
no, though I'm I'm dying for friend of the show Nick, who again runs a Adventure Time Dungeons and Dragons group that I'm in, to see how this influences our game, if at all, since it's very focused on the four elements, and I have to find out if this is going to impact our game in any way, shape, or form, because it might. I don't know, but it might. Uh, I expect a report back. I expect an update if it does. I'll let you know. (laughs) Okay. That sounds super fun. Um, Let's move on to our next show, which is another anticipated return, of course. That's Supergirl and Ace Reporter. I feel like this episode, even though I know this can't be the case because of how production schedules work, I really feel like this episode was, oh, all those things everybody's been complaining about, let's fix them all. (laughs) Right? Uh, why 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 did you think that? Well, because we got almost no Monel, and when he was there, he was being helpful and supportive and, you know, good. Uh, we got lots of Lena, and she was being awesome. We get uh, Raul Coley as, of course, who everybody loves is Robbie over my zombie, as the love interest who then Lena chooses uh, Kara over. And we also, <laughs> we also get James doing anything, and we get the return of Snapper Car, and we get Kara being very defined by her work and the other things that drive her instead of just saving people and mooning over Monel. So that is why, because it fixes like addresses like every single problem I've heard that people have with this show right now. <laughs> and I think that's true, except for the James stuff, which uh, feels like. Oh, are we going to do a spinoff of James Wynn and Lyra? Is that what we're doing here? Is that what this is? At we're least a backdoor in pilot? the episode. Yeah, but he's not doing anything. That's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, it was one of those things where I was watching the episode and went, wow, we've had, I didn't even realize we didn't have any Monel until just now. I didn't even notice. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, that was a really nice sensation because we got <laughs> Lena and I was just letting that wash over me. Uh, um, I agree that it was definitely not a production issue because this episode, like, wrapped was shot like at some point after I Zombie had finished wrapping, um, like for the season, because uh, mm-hmm. that's when uh, Cooley came in to film, um, and who, he does really good dead eyes. I'm being mind controlled by a woman with an ear Bluetooth ear earpiece. Um, those were really good mind controlled eyes. I thought, yeah. Um, <laughs> He does very, he, his physicality as just mind controlled was really, really good. Anyway, um, no, I agree that there was just a lot of really good fixed stuff that was happening here. And even though, again, it wasn't intentionally fixed, it was just, it was an episode that answered a lot of things, probably unintentionally. Mm-hmm. And that was good. And it, it resulted in a, an episode that was very clear from what was happening from the start. Like there was very, it's nanites. Nanites are never good. (laughs) (laughs) Never has there been an instance in which nanites in a science fiction slash fantasy setting have been good. Uh, Doctor who the doctor dances. It just takes a while. (laughs) It just takes, it takes all of the empty child. But then by the time you get to doctor dances, they save the day. But yeah, no, you're right. It never happens. I was about to say, okay, the rule. Give me another instance, Kolzak. <laughs> but you didn't. You didn't ask me that, so now I don't have to. <laughs> no, you're 100 percent right. Nanites are like whenever. Yeah, as soon as, soon as they hover in the air, you're like, oh, he is nanites. That is what's yep. going to happen. Right. So I I liked that. 
Um, so, no, so overall, it was just a good episode. I enjoyed the fact that uh, they allowed Ian Gomez to demonstrate some baking knowledge from his long tenure as a co-host of the American version <laughs> of American American Bake Off. Um, I'm assuming that's the, that that was an in-joke to that and not me just massively reading into Ian Gomez's imdb page it, mm-hmm. it was totally me reading into his imdb page but i i liked how i would i almost would have preferred a little more time of car working for the deo like full time and also being like i got nothing to do because there's nothing to punch yeah <laughs> and hank being like i'm gonna go catch up on paperwork and it's just like that's really cute and you know, Alex was b- busy all week with Thursday night knife knife practice. <laughs> um, so no, it was it was a good, fun, lighthearted episode that allowed like Lena to come forward a lot, and yeah, it, it was just a really well, it was a really entertaining episode, and there wasn't like a whole lot else happening, but it was a really entertaining episode, and I liked I liked it for that. Yeah, I it would have been neat to see I feel like they could have done a better job with this kind of stuff if they had shown her Kara working for the DEO at like full time after leaving Catco or being fired from Catco and showing her it not fulfilling her yes and being too not just not intellectually enough of you know stimulation just it's a lot lot of like punching and saving and yay and that feels good and everything but she needs more um but you know, all things considered, it's it was, it was a nice correction. I'm glad that she's back at Catco now, right? And so she can keep handing in stories and binders for some in reason. Binders, like you do in 2017. It's not, it, not how any of this works. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's go to our last show of the week, uh, the Flash, the Once and Future Flash. So the Scuttlebutt online. Oh, there's more Scuttlebutt. I love how you know all the Scuttlebutt. Is that Savitar's Future Flash? Do you have thoughts on this? As in, like, he's Barry from the future? Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that is not a idea that is, I feel like that that's probably, of the options that I had in mind, like, of it being Wally, which I still feel like could happen, but the fact that it could be Barry makes sense, because, I mean, again, all those lines of I'm the future flash, just like, yes, because if you just take the comma out of that sentence, he tells you who he is. <laughs> well, um, and it, the episode is called The Ones in Future Flash, too. Right. So, like, they're not being subtle, if that's the case. Right. And, I mean, there's still this idea of Wally as, like, assuming a mantle. Um, and I'm, I'm apparently just going to keep clinging to that idea. But I don't think Wally would have had the same impact on Caitlin as a Barry would have had. See, but oh, okay, I think it's really stupid. No, no, no. I, I think it's really stupid too. Within the show's very bad logic, it's like, <laughs> is I, how I'm addressing this. I have, I, I do not doubt that that is very likely what they are doing, especially after this episode. But it's so stupid; it doesn't make any sense. They're gonna try to sell it. I'll listen to what they have to say, but I'm very, I'm highly skeptical that they will be able to sell that. Also. Why would Killer Frost respond to Barry? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Caitlin would respond to Barry, but why would Killer Frost respond to Barry? Killer Frost doesn't particularly like Barry or have any connection to Barry. Right, and I think just... 
Why are you putting me in a position to play devil's advocate for the show, Kate? You can just pile on. I can, but it's also just like I can see, like, again, where they can potentially sell it insofar as she understands that an evil Barry knows how to exploit them. And that's all she wants. Uh, even though she's perfectly capable of doing that as well because she has access to everything Caitlin knows. So... Yeah. It ends up being a wash um, either way. But I also question like the idea that Barry knows how to build this really cool suit. Um, mm-hmm. Because, no. I, I imagine that like Cisco knows how to build a really cool suit. And I imagine that Wally knows how to build a really cool suit, given his whole background is mechanical engineer type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but Barry knowing how to build a cool suit? Eh, not so much. Unless he somehow made Cisco his... like made Cisco make it for him though who knows how that'll work so yeah, i don't know very smart but he's a he's a crime tech it's right very different it's very different skill set um so the savitar stuff aside how did you feel about this uh ghost of christmas future visit i thought on the whole it worked um mm-hmm. i really liked what we got with cisco uh and yeah the remote uh, like like the the performance was good. The The physicality and the sense of loss was just really palpable. I thought that I, I really liked the performance we were getting um, from, I, I, I didn't buy some parts of it specifically. I thought the stuff with Joe wasn't quite as effective, but was uh, it because he just refused to turn around despite the fact that Barry sounded a little different? <laughs> yeah. But also just at the, the, I, I felt like there should have been way more anger or disappointment or something. There should have been more. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, so that one didn't really land for me. Like I think it should have. Um, but I think the rest, uh, was, was fun and, and did work. I liked the, I liked the team going to hide in the present in, in the, uh, one of the pods and Caitlin be like, guys, (laughs) my fingerprint still works. (laughs) I haven't frozen them off yet. Yeah. So I, I there was, I think on the whole, everything came together. Uh, Barry, future Barry's stupid hair still looks stupid. And um, it's all a bit too pat. But uh, the stuff that we got with current Barry and future Cisco, as well as future Caitlin or Killer Frost, that stuff for me really landed. And we got to have a little fun with J.R. Romance Novelist. So why not? HR. Um, oh, sorry. Romance. Yeah, HR, not JR. My bad. Um, what did you think about this one? Well, here's the thing, is I think it worked really well. Insofar as one of the things that I really like connected to with this is performance-wise, I thought it was good. Um, and writing-wise, I thought it was good. And I really liked that, despite the fact that they don't play it up very... They play it up, but not in a way that draws heavy connections to this idea that Iris is ver- has become sort of the core connection for a lot of them um either through a couple of degrees of separation in like cisco's case but in for like keeping the team together without her everything kind of collapses um through one way or another and i think that's a really good point to make even if the show is totally abandoned this idea of iris adopting any sort of agency in the face of her death boy that was a golden period when we thought that was going to go somewhere yeah that would have been nice (laughs) wouldn't it Oh, they were so close to doing that. And then it became about these broken guys finding their ways back together. <laughs> um, 
And so I, I thought that that was a really good way of explaining that, looking at that and acknowledging that. But then it was just like, Cisco, I understand future Cisco. I understand where you're coming from with wanting your BFF to st- wanting a BFF that is an actual BFF to stay. I appreciate all of that. But if you just help present day Barry, then this timeline is not going to exist. So this entire conversation that we're having right now is moot. And that's where I ended up landing is just like a lot of this is really neat in terms of getting to see where all this works if Iris doesn't survive. But A, we know that they're not going to kill Iris because they're not going to go down darkest timeline route. But B, it's just, guys, just help him and this won't happen. And then you don't have to have a Barry that looks like he's fronting for My Chemical Romance. (laughs) It really was unfortunate hair. (laughs) It's so emo. It's great. But it's also exactly the kind of hair I, I expect a grieving Barry would grow out is the thing. It, but even, it's short enough that he's getting that regularly cut. Who's cutting it like that? Come on. He, he's vibrating his fingers enough that he's just cutting it himself. I roll. Yeah, no. But the ultimate thing is like the entire thing is just a, an excuse to get the name of the physicist who builds the speed trap. That's all this is about. I mean, it's a narrative cookie crumb of continuing this plot line instead of giving us who Savitar is, we get another way to stop him, maybe potentially. The upside being that said physicist is played by Anne Dudek, who who starts appearing next week. And I love her. Yeah, because so, she's wonderful. She's wonderful. So she, she's around for like two to three episodes. And I'm very excited about that. But all of it just amounts to, this is really neat for me. It's, again, performance-wise, costuming-wise, makeup-wise, like what they do with um, Tom Felton in particular is really good um, in terms of, like, what they do with his hair, even making it, like, recede more than it is starting to. (laughs) And so all of these elements, I think, really work, but it's just narratively, it's sort of any time they go to the past or the future or whatever, it's stuff that gets undone or doesn't have any, like, major ramifications going forward unless it's Flashpoint. And so it's just like, this is neat. And now Barry's screwing with the timeline again after promising he would never do it. And except he does it by giving away a piece of information. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's fine. It's good. It's entertaining. But it's also just so meaningless that Barry's just like, I'm going to inspire you guys, even though if I'm successful, none of this is going to happen. So this was really pointless for me to spend all this time here. Yeah. No, it's, that's an excellent point um yeah but i i think for me i it didn't bother me as much when they weren't helping him because they did feel legitimately hopeless sure like they couldn't even accept the chance that he could fix it um i thought they did a pretty good job of selling that but um but no i you're absolutely right sorry (laughs) But I, I, the other thing is, I, I guess I'm just willing to give them the alt episode, you know, the alt universe or jump mm-hmm. to the future that's going to be rewritten or, you know, I, I'm a sucker for that kind of thing. And yeah. they did it pretty well. They certainly, I was more engaged by this than by the, the, the most recent Speed Force episode. And, um, and this delivered for me more than the unfortunate most recent Grodd. So, Ugh. you know. Yeah. 
I'll take what I can get, I guess. But I, I think the strongest, I mean, like the number one thing is what you had already said that remember when I was like, Hey, maybe Iris saves Iris. Yeah. That, nope. That was, nope. that's not going to happen. That would have been nice. Cause she's just become increasingly passive um, and non-existent in the episodes where she's still alive. <laughs> Yes, and I mean, like, she's been redefined as, well, we gotta save you, but who's gonna save you? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, well, I thought I'd save you by getting married to you, and that didn't work, because then you just got really angry at me. <laughs> <laughs> but musical episode! <laughs> yeah. Type of thing, so, yeah. Mm. But the only other thing I'll say is I still don't like the show's conception of Mirror Master, and that makes me really sad, because I love Mirror Master, and he's just a thug. Mirror Master should be a little bit more than a thug. I like what we got with Top, though. The visuals were pretty cool. Oh, the visuals this week were really great. Weren't they even including, like, the weird sort of, like, celluloid frame sort of cycle that they did? Yeah. Oh, it was, the visuals were, like, really, really good. I feel like they haven't done a really good visual type stuff since, like, the beginning of the season. But it was... The power of execution was really good this week. Uh, I just... They have no idea who Mirror Master is, and that makes me sad. I'm sorry to hear that. Well, I guess then yeah. Flash probably doesn't win your week in drama and genre. What, what are you going to give it to? I'm going to give it to Elements uh, with Adventure Time. Uh, by far and away, I, I just had a lot of fun this week with it. Um, I'm. What about you? I, I think I know what it is, but I want to hear you. I want to hear what it is. The Leftovers Award goes to The Leftovers. <laughs> No, it's it's I, that that is exactly what I thought it was going to be. Yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's so good. I love it so much, <laughs> so very very much. Okay, now we'll take a break and come back with our spotlight on the first three episodes uh, of The Handmaid's Tale, season one of The Handmaid's Tale. We'll be right back after this. I had another name, but it's forbidden now. So many things are forbidden now. I know this must feel. Very strange. But ordinary is just what you're used to. <laughs> My name is Alfred, and I intend to survive. That was You Don't Own Me. I loved it so much, Noel. I love that choice so very, very much. Featured at the end of the first episode of the, se the season one premiere of The Handmaid's Tale, uh, Offred. We also got this week birthday and late. So we wanted to dive deep with these first three episodes now that we've both seen it. 
And uh, listeners, there will be spoilers for these first three episodes. You have been warned. If you have not seen The Handmaid's Tale yet, go watch it. It is really good. Right, Noel? It's, it, it is really good. Yeah. It is, it is really good. Yeah. And also read the book. But also, if, if you're not up for reading, then watch the, at least these first three episodes of the show. Okay. There will be spoilers. Y'all been warned. Uh, so, no. Uh, what was the biggest punch gut punch for you? Because for me, the 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 that that cut I I am my name is June or I am June to that mm-hmm. song was just like the just like the perfect gut punch, like powerful, affecting hell yeah! Oh my god, the show is even more amazing than I than I knew. Uh, moment of these first three episodes no i agree with you wholeheartedly in fact i think the show generally is so far anyway within these first three episodes does a really good job of landing the ending of their episodes um even episode two's use of don't you forget about me uh is so good because it's just like we like as a culture like it's so deeply associated with moments of unity and triumph because of the breakfast club and then it takes on this whole other meaning of hey where did Elf glenn go Fuck. <laughs> yep <laughs> so i it's it's really good and I, I i like the end of episode two as well but no the the end of episode one with uh you don't own me and my name is june and it, it's super mission statement like it's just like th- it's a different kind of sort of a it's a much more aggressive sort of survival stance than I think um of Glenn I'm sorry, Offred um takes even in the books where she's kind of she feels a little more passive overall. So this idea of chaining the song choice, but even like her declaring her name as just such a big move, I think. And I think that that's really significant in terms of what this show is going to be going forward, but especially also with what we get in late as well, where the show declares very forcefully, yeah, we're going to deviate significantly from the book or expand significantly from the book. And uh, we're going to see where this goes. And I'm, I'm very, I'm just very excited about this. Yeah. That, my name is June. Like in the book, you can figure out that her name is June, but you have to do some detective work. This is a much more defiant, a much more angry, um, and a much more daring offered. And I love it. (laughs) And I think if you're spending a a series with, with that, with that character, I think at least like, I don't doubt that this team could have done an offered more, similar to the 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 presentation in the book and made it work but i think that this is going to be a lot easier in a lot more accessible and a lot more uh immediately engaging essential figure for for a a show where you are like just watching her face for most of (laughs) like these long sequences it works a lot better if she is so much more uh if she's you can see that anger so much more on the surface, even if it's just buried enough that you can believe the other characters don't want to see it. So they aren't. Um, yeah, I, it's, I sat down with this first episode when it, you know, 
Wednesday morning when it was released by Hulu. And I was intending to to watch it um, as I, like, finished up this, like, little thing. Like, I was folding laundry or so- something like that where I, I – it was not – like I was, most of my attention was going to be on the show, but I needed to finish up one little thing and then I could give it my full attention. That did not happen because I like didn't move. <laughs> like the show immediately grabs you. This pilot is terrific, um, and it doesn't even it doesn't let you breathe. It so fully submerses you in this world. And for someone, I mean, we talked about this before. I read the book in school in high school. And was like, okay, this is an interesting, it's a well-written book. It's an interesting book. It has a lot of things that it's saying. And, oh, look look at this dystopian future. How crazy. This, the timeliness of this, of this series and the specificity in, you know, in, in the tone, in these, in the flashbacks, in everything, just like this will become ordinary right is that the line from and Dowd? uh yes yeah yeah is this this will become normal basically and and how much have we talked about normalizing behavior in the past you know four months three months five months if you want to go back a little further i mean it is it grabs you because it's a good story and it has, it's terrifically told with amazing performances, really good writing, gorgeous cinematography and direction, costuming, sound choices, music choices, all of that. But when you add this extra layer on top, you can't like the conversation for what is the best new show of 2017. Like, I, I, it's hard for me to imagine anything comparing to The Handmaid's Tale. No, I agree, is that there was some, and I talked about it a little bit this a couple of weeks ago when we were just like, there's a resonance to this, and there's the slowness of what happens within the rise of Gilead. Um, Gilead? Gilead. Um, th- th- how this happens and how it's like steadily done, and then all done in one fall, fall swoop with the trans freezing and transference of money accounts and then uh, eliminating jobs and the militia, not the army that shows up to enforce that um, is the kind of thing where, and I'll just borrow a line from the show and just like, you'll steadily get boiled alive and you won't even know it. And is what's what happens here, the normalization of it. And even though like there's a very solid critique to be made, and I've been seeing this circulated a little bit about the show the novel's inherent whiteness and middle classness of falling and how easily that would be without like much of a much of a conflict or much of a pushback. And from like different minority groups that are mobilized to deal with this uh, or are used to dealing with this in a lot of ways and that kind of a thing. So the book, I think skirts some of that because it's not, uh, it's not visual, but here because of Moira, because of the fact that there are other non-white handmaids that are visible, if not given any lines of dialogue um, that, you get the sense that even if, again, there were people to counter it and were equipped to counter it, 
that what the people behind Gilead had established, it was just, it was too much and done, executed too well, basically. Um, basically, like, the idea that, going back to, like, political fears of the present insofar as this is, Trump just seems kind of incompetent, but Mike Pence seems like he's got an eye on the ball sort of situation. <laughs> Mike Pence calls his wife mother and won't be alone with other women if with, with uh, alone with another woman if mother is not present. Uh, and, and Mike Pence also thinks we should electrocute gay people until they say they aren't gay. So, you know, right, <laughs> don't tell exactly. me this is some dark dystopian future. <laughs> More or less. So it's just like this. This is something that Mike Pence goes, huh? Maybe, <laughs> but probably maybe. But deep down, yes. Anyway, so I think that that's one of the things with the show is like there's it because of the because of the expansion of the flashbacks, um, in a way that dramatizes what's happening, like the protest that happens in late, um, but even like the um, the stuff with. Um, the stuff with the baby in birthday all of this stuff expands this concept of how all of this eventually happened as opposed to getting it in little bits and pieces that you get doled out in the novel and uh, that you can feel that kind of stuff slipping away from Offred in the novel but here again going back to this idea of a more internally defiant and barely keeping it below the surface, offer it. It makes sense that all of this is being given to us and it having a sense of urgency. I also really love this sense. You get it really quickly in one of the flashbacks, but that Moira is more aware of and on top of the rights that they have been losing for a long time than June. Yes, and super, and more more concerned about it too. Yeah. <laughs> And and the, the the idea that well yeah but that was because of the terror like for very legitimate yeah. things this 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 and that and the number of times that I've heard that from people um was like well yes but you know we need to X Y and Z and you know we should default to trusting authorities about this that and the other and um yeah so I, I thought just little things like that worked really well to show how this happens there's a texture to the flashbacks and to their like where they're used and how they're used um that really works i think for just showing just how easy some it would be for something like this to happen yeah yeah no absolutely and i mean the texture i think is a really good point about this show overall um, because like you were saying when you were starting with it, I mean, so much of it is about Moss's face and we get so many long, just her staring at the camera, um, and with a face with next to no makeup, um, or which is apparently like when I first watched this, I was uh, wondering if it was makeup made to look like no makeup. Um, but apparently it's like very little makeup. Like they were discouraged from putting basically the barest amount of makeup on necessary for like camera stuff and then just going without. And I, 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 it was much more noticeable for me anyway with Bladell than it was with Moss, even though it's noticeable with Moss too. It's just, I'm used to 
not seeing, seeing the freckles. Blood. Right. And I'm just used to Bladell just being so made up for Gilmore Girls mm-hmm. that it's just like, oh, wow. Okay. Right. <laughs> um, type of thing. But I, it's just, there's so much face work and there's so much work that Moss is needing to do here. And so much of the first three episodes feel defied by, uh, uh, Reed Morano's direction and the lighting choices that are being made here uh, in terms of like this very kind of painterly use of lighting. So everyone's in like half shadow, but not like obscure uh, massive half shadow that obscures things, but just enough ops uh, obscuring that happens. And it's just, it looks really good. And I, I just, I can't get enough of it. Like I can't get enough just watching it. And the, I was reading today um, an interview with Moss and apparently like she memorized the voiceover stuff so that she would be saying the voiceover in her head while she was acting so that everything would line up. And A, that's just really smart of her to do um, from a performance level, but B, it just adds so much to what's happening on the screen because it does sync up in a way that doesn't feel like things were slowed down or sped up for the sake of the post-production voiceover that was laid in. Yeah. You're talking about the lighting and the choices of when we're in like this really vibrant, bright daylight. And when we're in the red center, especially there's a lot of shots or when she's in her room with the light coming in through the window that uh, are in this sort of dusk and very filtered light with all, you can see all these particles in the air. Um, when I realized that the director of this episode was a cinematographer from looking, I was like, Oh, that makes a lot of sense. I don't know if you remember one of the things that I always would say about looking is how gorgeous the visuals are and the lighting and the cinematography and the composition. Um, And so the, having a director for, for the series who is a cinematographer or came from cinematography I think uh, it does so much. It does so much to contribute because you get you. You're already just from the source material given these very discrete visuals of the color coding of all the different like classes of people and the structure and the symbolism that the this new regime has imposed on the world. And so when you add to that someone who really knows their way around lighting and lens. Uh, lenses and it just makes for this whole you know then you cast a a routine like a just completely fantastic cast top to bottom everybody's really really good like it's almost like they can take care of that (laughs) of all the (laughs) acting which not to say that Reed Moreno didn't do a terrific job working with them as well I'm not trying to diminish or assume that this you can't do both things what I'm saying is you get this extra level of composition that just makes it so striking it reminds me of the way people would talk about breaking bad the way people would talk about mad men and some of these other really distinctly visual shows um using that language um yeah it's just absolutely gorgeous it is and i i well, let's talk about the cast a little bit then yeah. um because we've we've mentioned elizabeth moss who i feel like is if she doesn't win every award this year um i'm gonna have problems i mean I'm going to have huge problems. Now, of course, uh, she'll be up against herself, likely, for Top of the Lake 2. But 
I don't care. <laughs> right. <laughs> we haven't seen that. It doesn't matter. This is going to win. Right. Uh, <laughs> this It should. Cause it needs a lot to. Going. Right. And then you mentioned Ann Dowd, who plays um, Aunt, Aunt Lydia. Lydia. Yeah. Who's oh. just oh, the worst. Um, <laughs> Margaret Atwood we... shows up as an aunt as well. Yes. Yeah. That um, which is delightful. Um, we've got, um, we mentioned Alexis Bledel who plays of Glenn, who has a significantly expanded role. Um, and, uh, especially in late, which is just, oh, oh. God, the, st- the stuff that Bledel has to do in late. She's so good. Very little ha- with virtually no dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, the stuff she has to do in late is phenomenal. Um, and we've got Joseph Fine. And then we have the two kind of things where I go, uh, still, um, we've got Joseph Fiennes as uh, Waterford, the commander, um, which was uh, someone who they just offered the role to. He didn't audition. And then we've got Yvonne Strahovski um, for Serena Joy. Oh, I think she's so good. She's so good is the thing. It's just yeah. like, it, it, like, I didn't know that she was capable of being this good. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it was one of those, it, it makes, it almost makes up for the fact that I'm sort of like, I understand why they made the decision to age down Waterford and Serena Joy. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily agree with it, like timeline-wise, kind of, in, or like people who would have necessarily been like super gung ho about Gilead. Um, but we also don't know like this Serena Joy's backstory. Whereas in the book, she's a evangelist who gets um, hoisted by her own patriarchal petard. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But here, like, again, the performance, especially from her, I'm still not quite sure what Fines is doing exactly or what their sense of Waterford quite is. Um, the Scrabble game only does so much. Um, but I'm okay with that in part because Waterford, to me, is always, has always been someone who was kind of a question mark until towards the end. <laughs> um, but... It's just one of those things where I go that the performances are making up for kind of my questions about like age type of thing. And even if this idea of it's a different sort of tension when you're roughly the same age and barren and having to deal with a woman that can produce than it is if you're a much older woman who can't reproduce in this society that puts a heavy premium on this sort of thing, given everything that it creates a different kind of tension that comes out really hard in late yeah, and makes up in no small part makes up for me kind of still being kind of like, but I kind of miss the old, really old, not the really old, but I miss the old age wise Serena joy, but I'm almost over it. I just need like another episode of that and I'll probably be okay. (laughs) See for me, having them be, you're absolutely right. It brings a completely different context to the interactions between Serena Joy and Offred. And the first place that I really appreciated the choice was when we have the first, uh, uh, well, rape scene. Um, but where we, we, and we see her, you know, Serena Joy holding down Offred, mm-hmm. which is that her ceremonial role in that. Uh, it's so funny. Uh, which is exactly the right amount of up, which is a lot um but and having that feels very different when it's an older person holding down and sort of 
exploiting and uh, trying to sort of suck away the youth of someone else. You know what I mean? They, it sure. ties into that idea of um, it, it, it's nowhere near this age in the book, but like the crone and the witch, you know, that kind of thing, preying on the young damsel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a very different dynamic if you can imagine them interacting before all this went down. And being different in their some their priorities and in their beliefs and these things, but not that different. They probably get coffee from the same place. It, it, oh, I think that it, same place with that jerkwad barista. Oh, <laughs> that that jerkwad barista. Like the way that these flashbacks show the the joy and glee of some people who feel emboldened by the regime change and like by the way that public sentiment is shifting to Mm -hmm. express stuff that they've been thinking this whole time. uh, That rings very, very true right now. Mm -hmm. Very true. Sorry, I got distracted by our barista. No, that that was me distracting you, but no, you were talking about um, connections between these two women. Yeah. So, so just having that, different like there is nothing that separates us those two characters other than who you married you know um and the 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 trick of your genetics in this you know in this world where so few women are fertile um yeah i thought i think because the that's the kind of thing that you see characters get aged down in adaptations a lot and it's so that they can cast in air quotes younger hotter person in the role but it feels like a very distinct choice for thematic resonance and and for me at least so far it's working right and all of that is completely true it's just i'm annoyingly a purist sometimes um but i'll get i'll get over it really quickly because again strahovski is just really good in this so far and i just I'm I'm here for that tension and that exploration of what that means and how her the other thing I think is also the reason why for the age down is not only like her jealousy of Offred but also just her the degree to jealousy of the um I guess Putnam um mm-hmm. and the birth that happens um there and her sheer excitement over the possibility of offered being pregnant complete with saying ridiculous shit, like be part of the clean plate club. And it's just like, Oh my yes. God, <laughs> this is so terrible and cringeworthy. And I love it. But the, the, just the fact that status wise she needs this mm-hmm. and the, but she has to rely on this woman to get that is like, and you get the sense of that. Even within this, you get the sense of that again, that, hoisted by a patriarchal petard type of situation where I can really see Serena Joy as being someone who was probably pro-Gilead before this as a young as a young woman and however long in between this occurred um and then having to struggle to achieve the status that she feels she deserves as an early supporter is just denied by these handmaids that don't do what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Well, and then there's also the other thing you get by having Serena Joy be younger is the question of, mm, is it really Serena Joy? We know that there was a different of Fred before June. 
Um, Is is really was Serena Joy the reason that this couple couldn't have a kid? Uh, I think when that's an older character, that's more of a conversation. When it's someone, you know, who's more of a similar age to the handmaids, that's more of an interesting conversation that the show will undoubtedly address later on (laughs) as it continues. Um, The other cast member I feel like we have to mention is Samira Wiley, who's so terrific as Moira. Yeah, no, she's she's really really good here, um, which is a surprise to exactly no one. Yeah. Um, but even like stuff from uh, in the center, uh, in the first episode, uh, she's uh, with that unwillingness to uh, the, that willingness to survive for the best possible opportunity um, to get out versus something um, versus what we see like in the flashbacks, which is a much more um, emboldened, aggressive uh, Moira. And then all of this just makes me very excited for um, when we return to Moira more and more. Um, And yeah, I'm just, I'm, she's just really good here. And she's, she's got the exact right kind of energy. And like you were saying at the beginning with how Moira is conceptualized as being much more aware, it, Wiley's performance of um, her aggression towards um, Luke. Luke, thank you. Um, in especially in late, which is the only time that they have like a direct connection, is just really good. And like the sheer, her ability to swing from like causing calling him the problem both seriously, but also maybe a little jokingly, but then taking him up on the offer to walk him. <laughs> walk her to the train station. You better walk me to the train. <laughs> yeah. Is is, is really good. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really good. And in lesser hands that would feel like um a character that would feel like mood swings in a character, but Wiley's so good at making it feel all connected that it just makes Moira feel really well-rounded in a handful of scenes. Yeah. Um, we are theoretically coming to the end of the segment. Uh, I feel like we could talk about these episodes a lot longer. Um, let's, why don't, do you want to each pick like a sequence or another element to really dive in with? Well, Um, yeah, I, I I mean, I kind of just want to talk about late some more and all the stuff with, um, with, of Glenn mm -hmm. and just, the expansion on the source material because none of this is in the book for those of you who haven't read the book the of glenn stuff is of glenn just disappears and yeah. it's never heard from again in any way shape or form um so this stuff i think that we get with of glenn including like uh her discovery of an affair that she's having with a martha i loved uh, offered's like little smirk when she figures out oh god it's because she was getting laid <laughs> <laughs> Ah, oh, that is really good. Um, but, like, that whole sequence is um, just, like, powerhouse really good. And, again, it's done with very little dialogue. And it's done very quickly. Like, them getting into that van, holding hands, and then the Martha being hung or hanged. 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 Hung, hanged. Is just really powerful and really good. But then her waking up in the hospital with presumably um, being uh, mutilated. Um, because she won't want what she she won't desire what she doesn't have um, is just it's so intense and again we go back to this idea of close-ups 
and these women needing to bear bear themselves quite honestly through a lack of makeup but also just emotionally through close-ups and in this case like cutting which is something that hasn't happened really up until this point is just really just it's gut-wrenching and it's really really good and again the musical cue comes in just as she's a she starts screaming and it's just it's so good and i just really love how it plays out and even though there's a little break between of glenn waking up discovering what's happened to her and the hang of the martha it's just it feels really connected and i'm very excited about what's going on with of glenn because when they prior to them putting out two and three i just kind of went why did you guys cast alexis bladell as of glenn considering she just disappears and then they went well this is why noel and i just went (laughs) oh I'm very okay with this. <laughs> um, so that I think is probably like the big sequence, but I also just love Alfred eating a macaroon and then spitting it out. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I really loved that. And then just leaving it on the table for someone on the vanity for someone to find later and her sense of rebellion and the little smirk that she gives to herself in the mirror, but also to us very directly. It feels almost like a breaking the fourth wall moment, even though it's totally not. But I just love that as well. Um, but what stands out to you then? Well, with the the of Glenn scenes that you're mentioning, I would also uh, mention, I love, well, it's terrible and really gross and disturbing, but the, you get the sense that the reason they've done this is because they think she's pretty and they don't want to ruin her prettiness in case someone wants to enjoy her while she's a handmaid. Unlike with Janine, which they didn't value her as much for that. So that's why they pluck out the eye. Like there's, you know, there's reason they don't pluck out her eye and they could have. Um, and so, like the 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 layers of that, um, especially because again, this is also the on the book. But the the layers of that and the power and the the underlining of no, you are to be enjoyed by other people. It's not just for procreation. It's also because we think you're too pretty to to to, to waste. Um, is super disturbing and uh, uh, an excellent horrible touch um the other thing i'll mention with um like when you're talking about the macaroon um the defiance that we get throughout from offred is wonderful and the fact that you so i so immediately identify it as such she says you too she does yeah the captain and to commander sorry and that is a huge statement you know, it's just this tiny thing, but it has such power. And the show makes that immediately palpable. And I love all the different ways we see her exercising what little semblance of control that she has, if only for her own mental stability. Right. I'll check my schedule. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Or spitting out the macaroon. Um, now, do you think she... I, I got the sense that she really did want it. And then when... They called her a slut. 
that's when she was like, screw you. Yeah, no, and and some of me also goes like, how long has it been since she's had anything that sweet? Anything with sugar, yeah. Right, and how how weird and like wonderful, but also really gross must this taste to her at this point? Even just this little taste of life before. Right, and how weirdly punishing this must be on some level. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, no, no. I, I do agree that she probably wanted it in the moment, and then, like you said, just her not only not only being told like she's a whore, but also the she's so well behaved. Yeah, I mean, just like all this stuff is just like, well, you just called me well behaved. I'm going to spit out my food now. Mm-hmm. and not give you the not not allow that satisfaction it's just like again this goes back to this idea of offer it is much more aggressively defiant yeah the other scene i feel like we have to mention is the prosecution, and it's so well executed in in the premiere and we, because we've had this theme of this which we keep coming back to this more defiant offer it she's smart she knows what they're doing and it doesn't matter i don't think she believes that this guy raped anybody I don't believe that she trusts and thinks that they're oh, telling the truth, yeah. but it doesn't matter because she needs to believe it because she needs this or she right. will and go insane. That they all need it. I mean, it's yeah. one of those things and I th- it's one of those things in which it's so perfectly totalitarian created in that if we just give them a, uh, some loaves and fishes and some games, they'll stay docile. So regardless, like you said, of uh, maybe he killed and raped a handmaid or, well, raped a handmaid. But like you said, it just doesn't matter if he didn't. It just doesn't. It's just like this is an opportunity for them to destroy a man after being subjugated very directly by men, uh, but also collaborating women. Um. Mm -hmm. well and that's another important thing to mention is that it's very much there's this very strong patriarchy but it's constantly reinforced by women there the women are a much stronger like force in this show than the men are yeah so i but yeah no it's totally regardless again of whether she believes it or not it literally does not matter because it's and the visual of that of just these women in these red dresses and then they're um well no they take the bonnets off by that point um the blinders i should say and um just like it's prison yard the way they just surround him Mm -hmm. and the aerial shot from above and everything it's just it's really good and it's really hair it's it's just as horrifying as any other thing that they do within these first three episodes because of the fact that there's such a cathartic release from it a hundred percent and you can you again you can feel it it's tangible this is a very sensual show like you can feel when she's feeling the scrabble tiles when she's feeling the banister you when she's at the aquarium with her kid with hannah and like this is all those emotions are right up there where you can feel them and um which is something I, of course, appreciate in a show, as listeners of, you know, This Is Our Design will know. Uh, but it also, you know, Sense8 and Looking and all and lots of other shows uh, that take this more expressionist. This is what it feels like rather than this is what it is. Um, but but for The Handmaid's Tale, they're marrying those two where, for the most part, we're not getting, like, a little bit with the music and with the, the 
audio choices, but we're mostly seeing what's happening. They're just also then showing us memory, showing us um, using the camera in certain ways to make sure that we are very much in Offred's headspace or in June's headspace, I should say. Um, yeah, and with the, <laughs> these are the first three. I can't wait to see what happens next. Do you have any thoughts on this notion that it might be a multi-season show? That's the only, I, 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 I don't know how I feel about that because uh, in that same interview I read about the, um, her voiceover matching, it's just like, Moss signed a five to seven season contract for this. And I immediately went, huh? Question mark? Um, and I mean, she agreed to do that by becoming a hands-on executive producer and she was apparently like super involved in a lot of decisions that were being made um including like just the color of the robes that the women have to wear yeah uh, which makes sense because that's the only costume she really gets to wear for most of the show um i want the red to look really good um but <laughs> i don't i don't know how i feel about that and um i mean the book is so compact in a lot of ways that that getting to the end of things I feel like could ha reasonably happen within 10 episodes. Even with the addition of the Upglen stuff. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know how I feel about it just yet. And part of me is just really hesitant about the idea of it and or this idea that, or the idea that, well, not an idea, but just the, the, because it's in the air of television production, just turning it into some sort of a, like, anthology type of thing, um, I feel like would be a weird mistake. Um, but I don't know. Um, I almost need to see how this ends before I make a decision. Um, but how do you feel about it then? Cause yeah, yeah. Um, I'm very, uh, I don't know. So how do you feel? <laughs> if they can sustain it. Amazing. This doesn't feel like the kind of show that can sustain for five seasons. Right. Um, I also, I have trouble see thinking of many writers who can extrapolate out material beyond the book and have it be as good as the book. <laughs> right. Without uh, the compliment of the book present. Yeah. Like it's it's a uh it's a masterpiece <laughs> of dystopian fiction. So it's that's a hard bar you're setting for yourself. If they can, that's amazing. I'm on board. If they can't, I'll probably still keep watching it unless they did something to piss me off enough to get me to stop. Um so yeah, it, that that raises a significant eye, arched eyebrow for me. But I also like the idea that we don't that that they won't feel like they need to race through and finish the book at the end of ten. I was surprised how well paced these first three are. Like I yes. felt like they could have even gone slower with the progression of Alfred's status inside the house. Mm -hmm. Um. So. Yeah. So so. We're we're a third of the way through the season. They could finish the the book by the end of ten, or they could be like halfway through it. Um, yeah, we'll see what they do. Uh, so I guess my last question for you 
and well and you may not you haven't you haven't read it since high school right yeah okay well then my my last question i guess and if you remember this um at all uh do you need the season slash series finale to be the The academic conference well in the future (laughs) no because i kind of want it to be just for an entire episode (laughs) of people at a conference talk i really don't need the enterprise ending no um (laughs) now i think it serves a very different purpose sure in the book yeah than it does here for yeah because this is first person and she's telling us and this is and it's much more active and we're also shifting perspectives and seeing this of Gladden stuff. So this is much more this is absolutely what's happening. Whereas the end of the book has a lot of you know, like his I think it's a really interesting and a really effective way to end the book. But um I don't think it necessarily works right. or certainly to the same effect, um, for this because of the approach they've taken with direct to camera with the voiceover with the perspective shifts and everything that we've gotten so far yeah no that makes sense with what you're saying but i also just i i I love that so no i i kind of do need that no i i I don't need it i i would maybe just as like a web episode that they can just slot well it's on the web so that's not that's just an episode noel remember your platforms (laughs) i mean like it would be cool i think they can do it but i don't think it's required Right. It, I, it's definitely not required. I, I just, a little bit of me wants it because Fair I, enough. I just I just want an episode of people at a conference. <laughs> you know we love a conference here at the Televerse. Yep, that's true. <laughs> and, and on that note, we will be talking more about The Handmaid's Tale and every fair listeners. Uh, but for now, let's wrap it up there. A few show notes here at the end of the episode. You can find a post for, the te- for this episode up at theteleverse.org, which is the website for the podcast. You can leave us a comment there um, about your thoughts on the week's TV or anything we're talking about or anything we're not talking about that you think we should be. You can also email us at televerse at gmail.com. You can like the page on facebook and start up a conversation there you can also find the m4a chaptered feed and mp3 unchaptered feed in itunes uh, ratings and reviews would be appreciated if you leave us a rating review let us know uh rating or review because uh it helps other people find the show it makes us feel 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 good usually unless it's a mean review in which case it makes us feel bad but hey it means somebody listened right huh and that's all that matters we got you in the end <laughs> you can also find us uh, up on Stitcher, and we're both on Twitter. I'm at the Televerse. Noel, you are? At uh, Noel RK, and you can find me writing about The Flash over at tvguide.com. And you can find me reviewing Veep over at theavclub.com. We'll be back next week with lots more TV and uh, lots of American Gods talk next week, at least for the premiere. But until then, thank you so much, Noel, and thank you for... Uh, letting me uh, dive deep with you on Handmaid's Tale. We'll we'll talk more resolutions down the line, listeners, but I think we needed to do some Handmaid's Tale this week, Noel, yes? So needed to do Handmaid's Tale this week. <laughs> <sighs> well, thank you again, Noel, and thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Televerse. Mm-hmm.